Welcome to episode 169 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the past and present edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host and my co-host. Uh, it's apropos since it is the month of May, former iRacing Indy 500 champion, uh, computer genius, a gentleman and a scholar. His name is Josh Fine. What's going on, brother? I'm doing great, Phil, as always. And you know, funny you mentioned that Indy 500 win last year in iRacing. Well, we are coming up on the one-year anniversary of that. Uh, think either the next episode by if you go by the calendar or by you know this weekend. Uh, and um, if iRacing had their shit together, then um, we would still be having the iRacing Indy 500. You know, we would have ran the fixed edition on Friday, uh, and then the uh, you know the open setup one. You know, later on you know, this this upcoming weekend, but we get into that one later, of course. But yeah, of course, uh, good weekend and everything. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there because it was Mother's Day yesterday. And of course, we had a lot of uh, in- um, interesting things happen uh, this past weekend here in IndyCar and NASCAR, you know, so ready to get into it. Yeah, definitely happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Of course, my mom, to your mom, Josh, and to all the mothers uh, of the People that listen and to the mother do listen as well. You never know. Uh, we'll get into the GMR Grand Prix of Indy, which saw Alex Pillow do Alex Pillow things, which is absolutely destroy the entire field, um, set himself up to possibly go and do the double uh, this month and get his first Indy 500 win. Two years ago, he finished second to Elio Castro Dash Neves. Um, on his way to his IndyCar championship. And uh, the throwback weekend at Darlington saw Will Byron uh, continue to kind of put himself, uh, give himself the kind of uh, energy and uh, possibility to go uh, get his first career Cup Series championship uh, with his third win of the season, largely fueled by a battle between Ross Chastain and Kyle Larson, being that they both ran over each other. Uh, we'll get into all that, get into some of them throwbacks. I mean, we talked about them last week, but uh, seeing how that how some of them throwbacks worked out. Uh, the top 75 drivers of all time, so the additional 25, a good number of those were at the racetrack at Darlington on Sunday. Uh, we'll give our thoughts and maybe some of the people that were omitted and some of the people that maybe should have had to wait. We'll uh, get into Xfinity, which saw Larson win in a late race battle with John Hunter Nemechek. Nemechek goes and gets and gets in the wall, but isn't mad about it. Truck Series, Christian Eckes gets the victory there, solidifies himself as a championship contender in the Truck Series. The roundup is busy. Uh, IMSA at Laguna Seca. The Chip Ganassi Racing Cadillac team has had a pretty rough go to start the year, but they were able to come out and they even had a rough start to the weekend at Laguna Seca. But uh, Ranger Van de Zanda in, in his stint was able to go get the lead and take off to get their first win of 2023 um, after Porsche had started the weekend in, in a good position. Acura, which has been great at that racetrack over the years, didn't really have anything to show for it after the initial first stint of the race. MotoGP 
their 1000th official Grand Prix sees Marco Basecki win in a wreck fest. And we'll get in a Moto2 as well. Rally Portugal, Cali Rovampera wins his first race of 2023. Extremi in Scotland, uh, Veloce team won the second race. X44 won the first race. Uh, points are tightening up a bit in there. Indy next at Indy Road Course. They won't be racing for a while since, for whatever reason, they don't have a Freedom 100. Supercross at uh, Salt Lake City sees Chase Sexton become a Supercross cha- champion, basically by default, since uh, first um, Cooper Webb and then uh, Eli Tomac ate it with injuries. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, if those guys are able to come back during the motocross season um, at some point. We'll preview F2, F3 at Imola, F1 Academy at Barcelona, Supercars at Simons Plains, and NHRA at Route 66 Raceway in Chicagoland. Uh, The Formula One San Marino Grand Prix, we will both go and try to call it by the like 95-word title that they actually have it going for. Uh, because for whatever reason, Liberty Media insists on making every Formula One race name ridiculous. The name is longer than the lap time, and the racetrack is a joke, but whatever. We'll also talk about Indianapolis 500 practice and qualifying, go through the grid, 34 cars for 33 spots, so there is bumping, but um, we'll see how, how much aggro there really is. And then we'll talk about the Cup All-Star Race and the trucks at North Wilkesboro. Make previews and picks. There's a lot of cars in the actual All-Star Race already based on winning last year, based on, or this year so far, and then previous winners of the All-Star Race. So there aren't that many people in the open. At the end of the day, if you can't earn your way into the race by winning, um, I don't think it re- you really should be able to get a, a, a fan vote to get in, but I'm curious as to who would win the fan vote uh, anyways. We'll take our guesses on that. Also talk about some of the memories we have from North Wilkesboro past. I think that'll be more on my side because I'm the one who actually got to watch racing at North Wilkesboro. Um, mainly, I have one you know, memory that sticks with me and will stick with me for a long time in my life and my fandom. Josh will uh, talk about iRacing and sim racing in general in his sim segment and then close the deal before we lead into the greatest day in motorsports uh, edition part four um, next week. So yeah, GMR Grand Prix of Indy, uh, Indianapolis road course, for whatever reason, we the IndyCar series has to race there twice a year um it's honestly a waste of time it's not a great circuit it's not a really challenging circuit for these drivers or these teams uh but in the end alex Pillow gets the victory uh gets his first victory of 2023 wins by 16.8 seconds over pato award uh, McLaren makes it a double podium with Alexander Rossi taking the third step on the podium. Christian Lundgaard started on pole, but pit strategy did not, um, and certain other things really didn't go in his favor. So the guy who started in on pole finished fourth. Felix Rosenquist was on the outside front row, and they were basically neck and neck at the end, fourth and fifth. 
Scott Dixon, sixth. Joseph Newgarden, seventh. Marcus Erickson, eighth. Colton Hurd, ninth. And Green Rehall in tenth. Uh, Roman Grosjean, who had uh, rough qualifying, ended up 11th after starting 18th. Will Power, uh, in a rare uh, off day at the Indianapolis Road Course, started 12th, finished 12th. Renus VK, Kyle Kirkwood, Marcus Armstrong, Scott McLaughlin, the drivers that were on the lead lap. You know, only three cars were out of the race and only one caution, uh, David Malukas and Stingray Rob uh, getting into each other lap uh, on lap two of the race. And then the rest of the race ran green. Uh, Pagano had to retire to a mechanical issue. Uh, they said that they left the wheel loose, so he basically had to park the car. Um, the two, what do you call AJ Foyt cars, had issues, which isn't shocking. So, yeah, Alex Pillow took the lead change. It says, wow, really? That's interesting. Hmm. Um, Alex Pillow took the lead on lap one. I guess he made a really good start because Lundgaard and uh, Rosenquist, I think, held back a little bit. And Pillow was by far the fastest car the whole entire day. His pitch strategy was in his favor. And um, dominant performance takes the points lead by six over award into the Indianapolis 500. Rossi gets some good momentum with a podium. Uh, you know, some of the other players in this championship. I mean, you look at Erickson, another top 10 finish, but he loses a spot in points. In the process to his teammate, uh, Grosjean finishing 11th, not the greatest result, but qualifying 18th to get to 11th. I should have to give him credit there. McLaughlin had a rough day. Uh, Power didn't have the best day at one of his best circuits. But I guess the main story is Alex Pillow talked about him winning uh, the championship in 21, uh, losing the Indianapolis 500 to Helio Castro Dash Neves in that season. Um, he looks more like that driver, the driver from 2021, than the driver from 2022 who was in a lot of turmoil and contract disputes. I mean, we all know that he's probably going to be taking over Rosenquist's car at McLaren anyway, but still, it doesn't mean that Ganassi isn't going to go and try to go and give him the best car possible because why wouldn't he want to have somebody go and win a championship even if the guy's leaving? So Alex Pillow... Uh, setting himself up for a possibility to win a second IndyCar championship with a dominant performance, Josh, at the IMS road course. Yeah, not only that, he's setting himself up for possible return to the title here this year, but you know, also it's a preview of what could happen um, if he ends up going to McLaren either in IndyCar or even in Formula One. And when you look at the results, I mean, it's technically a McLaren-dominated race, um, you know, you have three McLaren drivers effectively uh, on the podium, plus Rosenquist, who uh, led a, three laps in this race. So, you know, definitely a very McLaren-dominated day uh, for sure when you look at it like that. But no, really, um, Alex Pillow had a uh, you know, really dominant car throughout the race, and, you know, he was able to make up time, um, you know, wherever he, wherever he needed to, and um, you know, once the pit cycle, um, last pit cycle finished, um, he was just able to drive away from the field and, um, 
you know, have a 16 second margin of victory, uh, which of course pretty large margin of victory. I mean, um, and considering how, when, you know, they were cycling through pit stops, um, it was only, wasn't even that far ahead of, uh, Lingard and, uh, you know, ahead of, um, Rossi and award, but, um, he just had that good of a car in traffic, um, compared to everybody else. And, and then once you get out into clean air, it's uh, game over from there. So, um, you know, for, uh, Polo um, returned to victory lane uh, this year, and um, you know possibly you know maybe this is the start of something we see here in 2023. Um, and he has a similar performance to you know what he was able to do in uh, 2021. So we'll see if uh, he ends up you know being up there in the title contenders. You know wouldn't have thought that would be the case. You know thought you know he continued to be kind of a lame duck in a way. You know with um, especially with how he's you know, already starting duties with McLaren. You know, he was at Miami last week um, being a reserve uh, driver uh, role for uh, McLaren F1. So already beginning to take on some of those duties there, Uh, but here still winning in IndyCar. So still showing uh, that he's able uh, and capable of winning races. But, you know, as far as uh, the rest of the field, you know, I was really impressed with Lundgaard, of course, started on pole. Uh, You know, they, for Ray Hall, you know, they had a, um, really good performance uh, for him, uh, and um, just just didn't have the pace that Alex Blow had, but you know, he definitely led a good chunk of laps there, um, and still came out with a top t- top five finish. So um, good result there for him. I was also you know impressed with uh, Alexander Rossi. I thought he had a really good piece too, and you know went from tenth uh, to third uh, in this race. So. Uh, definitely, he was somebody who was I I saw you know he's able to make uh, a lot of passes under braking, um, you know especially um, early on in uh, you know the tire cycle. So he's really able to make the most of uh, taking advantage of other drivers. Um, you know when he was able you know, when when that was possible. So um, yeah, it was definitely definitely a good run there for uh, Rossi. Of course, um, still kind of getting settled in. Uh, in terms of results uh, and the quality of those results, uh, you know, compared to uh, his other McLaren teammates. And finally, first podium for uh, McLaren, best finish of the year for him so far. So, um, you know, he's been been kind of struggling at a few times this year. But, um, you know, this this uh, could be maybe the start of a, a Rossi, you know, potentially getting his first win possibly soon with, uh, with this team. So uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, you talked about Roman Grosjean and, of course, talked about him uh, leading up to this race in our preview last week. Uh, I think, you know, he probably could have had a better result if he qualified better. Um, at, you know, had a bad qualifying on Friday and really, you know, was obviously really frustrated by that, but still made up seven spots uh, on Saturday. And, you know, if he had qualified better, maybe he would have had a chance there because, uh, I mean, obviously it's probably one of his better tracks, um, better circuits, so definitely a little little disappointed in that, but um, you know, it's also tough to pass and things get strung out pretty quickly, so you know, being able to go from um, mid-pack to almost top 10 is, um, you know, uh, fairly respectable in some ways. Um, of course, uh, your boy Graham Rehall making... Um, uh, some laps there, uh, led, led a few laps on strategy, of course. Um, but you know, ended up not really working out for him there and, uh, still, still came away with the top 10. So, um, you know, his pace similar to, uh, Christian Lundgaard there and able to kind of use that strategy in his favor, but, um, nothing he could, 
uh, really, really do about it um, compared to Pillow, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, the rest of the field, of course, uh, incident, you know, the first lap incident with uh, Malukas and St- uh, Stingray Rob, uh, really the only action that occurred here. Uh, there was a little bit of action you know, in the middle race with uh, Will Power, uh, but, you know, ended up finishing driver number 12, started 12th and finished 12th. So uh, a lot of 12s there for him. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you for the most part, you know, with um, this, uh, you know, race. I mean, um, I mean, I've done the AD road course and I racing, but, and so I actually do kind of like the flow, I guess, that the track gives when you drive um, through the road course. But um, yeah, there's not really a whole lot of opportunities for passing. Um, there's only about maybe like two or three areas and the rest of it, um, more of a, a setup uh, where you have to get through certain sections you know through the s's um you know after the back straight the chicane before that um you know the uh yeah after where i guess where turn one is where the you go back into the uh grass area there i i don't really like that section too much because um it's it's a hard it's a hard right hander hard braking zone but there isn't really a whole lot of room to set up a pass there because it immediately leads into um a slow uh left hand section uh there before you get on you know you break off into the pits and it's a kind of an awkward area to try to make an attempt because the next corner is a immediate left hander right there it's not kind of like it's got to be a way where you know you can pass set up a pass going into turn one right um and still have room to fight or to defend your position or you know the um uh the last corner on the back straight you know before you go into the s's that lead up into that uh corner into turn one um and i may feel like there could have been better designed or you know maybe they i mean i understand why they did it because you know an f1 when they ran turn one destroyed the tires and everything so that's probably part of it but i mean um you know it probably probably makes for better racing if they if they left that corner just wide open uh, and, and everything but um i can i can definitely see why and i mean obviously this this race and i mean the history of it hasn't been you know very entertaining here in indycar really i mean i think nascar maybe a little bit more entertaining but that's always because nascar racing on road courses has always been uh slightly entertaining at least and full of destruction as well um unlike indycar which is generally clean uh that Hopefully the rumors and some of the talk from this past weekend where they might move the, uh, because it's going to be the 30 year anniversary next year that they might move it back to the oval. Um, at this point, they might as well, at least for the cup race, um, they should move the Xfinity race to IRP like it used to be for so many years, um, unless they want to do it as a morning double header with the cup race and then it will make more sense. Um, yeah. So Indy 500 prep starts uh, this week, uh, qualifying and the whole bit. So we'll get into that later. Uh, I mentioned the points briefly. Uh, We'll give you more detail. Alex Pillow at 174 points. I mentioned uh, six points ahead of Pato Award. Um, Pillow's teammate Marcus Erickson 
is 19 points behind. Then there's a huge gap, 40 points between Pillow and Grosjean, 41 to McLaughlin, 43 to Joseph Newgarden. Scott Dixon enters the Indianapolis 507th in points. Defending champion Will Power is 8th, Lundgaard 9th, and Kyle Kirkwood tied with Alexander Rossi, the guy who Friday took over. Um, Colton Herta, 12th, the last driver right now to over 100 points so far this year. Um, so points as of now for the IndyCar series. Uh, we'll get into the Cup Series, of course, as I mentioned, a bit of argy-bargy late in the race um, at the Goodyear 400. Uh, that was basically what it was. I mean, at the start of the day, Martin Truex dominated, uh, led 136 laps uh, after Darrell Walls Jr. led the first lap, led the next 136 laps of the race and the 145 total to lead the most. Uh, it was him and Ross Chastain that really dominated the proceedings along with Kyle Larson. Those are the three best cars most of the day. But once Martin Truex lost track position, it became much more difficult for him to go anywhere. Uh, Chastain and Larson, as I mentioned earlier, got into it with each other. All that opened up to give William Byron his third win of uh, the season, seventh career Cup Series victory, the 100th victory for the 24 car in uh, Cup Series since Jeff Gordon won 93. William Byron, Kevin Harvick, William Clyde Elliott II, Brad Keselowski, and Darrell Walls Jr., your top five, Harrison Burton, Kyle Busch, Justin Haley, Ryan Blaney, and Christopher Busher, top 10. Uh, there was 22 cars on the lead lap with all the cautions they had, eight cautions. Only only one car that fell out early in the race was Brennan Poole with transmission problems and put fluid down on the racetrack. Uh, some of the accidents that happened late in the race took out a few more people, but essentially that was the only car that was out for a good amount of the race. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are some people there. You know, look at a lot of these drivers. What is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight drivers scored points in both stages. Uh, I mean, you could take it. I, I guess my question, Josh, is, I mean, Byron wins his third race of the year. Last year, he won two races early in the season and um, basically disappeared after that for a good amount of the rest of the regular season. Or He seems to have this staying power in the Hendrick Motorsports cars are fast, you know, all three of them that are actually being driven by the regular driver. I mean, even Josh Berry at times while he was driving the nine car seemed fast. It doesn't seem to have translated to the 48, but um, William Byron, it's been a few years in the cup series. He mentioned it in his victory interview where he thought maybe, I guess he thought in his own mind that he was too young for it and maybe have been a bit immature and didn't know what he was doing didn't know what he had to do also didn't have his crew chief, uh, crew chief of choice in a sense even though he did have one of the greatest crew chiefs ever in chad canals at one point but now he has won his third race of the season in race number 13 a lot of momentum uh, leading into the all-star weekend and then racing at charlotte which is essentially a home game uh, points standings wise he's only 
he's only um, 29 and 13. So he's only like 40 some odd points out of the points lead. And um, Chevrolet also has been dominant this year. Uh, All the multiple winners are Chevy drivers. Two of them are Hendrick drivers. So seven wins amongst Byron, Larson, and Bush. Then three of the Gibbs guys plus Tyler Reddick make four Toyota winners. And then the only Ford winner so far in 2023 is Joey Logano. But I guess the that's what I was going to say is like are, is are we uh, making William Byron the presumptive favorite or is it too early to tell because it's only halfway through the regular season? Is it somebody else, a la the guy one of the guys we're going to talk about here shortly, or maybe uh, maybe it's somebody else other than that. Well, I mean, I think it's tough to say really for uh, Byron. I mean, of course, yes, he has three wins on the season. So, yeah, by wins, yeah, he's um, definitely a favorite. But, I mean, his wins this year, uh, well, the, the first the first couple of wins that he had this year were very dominant, right? Las Vegas, you know, dominant. Phoenix, dominant. But, um, yeah, outside of those races, it you know, hasn't been, I mean, he's been there, but, um, you know, he hasn't been quite as upfront as Kyle Larson, I feel like, you know, Kyle Larson, of course, has been uh, up front and probably, you know, if things had gone his way, you know, we could easily be talking about Kyle Larson on a hot streak here uh, to start off this uh, the season and, you know, in the spring here, because um, I, you know, I think he definitely could have won a bunch of races um, since Richmond. And uh, so I, th- I think you could easily be talking about that. But for, for Byron, um, you know, he's, you know, he led led a ton of laps laps at Dover, of course. Uh, but yeah, you know, he still still want to see um, some more uh, dominance to say he's really a um, a, re- a real favorite for this title. I mean, I think he is in terms of wins, but I just want to see more consistency up front and you know, being up there and you know, in terms of top top fives and all that, which kind of is, but he's really doing it very quietly, I guess. And so that's um something that. You know, we have to start looking out for is um, how often can he, you know, be in the top five and, uh, you know, be in the, um, you know, conversation, I guess. Um, we tend to focus too much on the winners and uh, who won the stage and, um, you know, all, all that stuff. And we kind of forget, uh, you know, you'll, you get stage points and, uh, you know, also people who finish in the top five, you know, they don't really interview the top five after races either. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's definitely probably been some, opportunities where he could have been interviewed uh but he wasn't and so you know he kind of sneaks in there uh as um not a seemingly not a favorite but when you look at it maybe he actually is and it's now fifth in points uh so after this win so um i think i think he can be but you know you just got to continue to be consistent and um can't definitely can't be a you know definitely like a um what i gonna say like somebody who disappeared like he did last year because remember last year he won a couple of races really really dominantly in atlanta and at marvinsville last year and then kind of fell off the face of the earth until uh, the playoffs basically and um then he kind of was a little bit better but then uh we never really heard from him so um yeah i think he's just got to continue to win and uh continue to be run up front which he's done that in the past of course the one year he was in xfinity uh, full-time uh went and uh won four races in the title uh the one year he was in trucks full-time you know made uh seven wins in that series and probably should have um 
made it to the final four and won won that one if it weren't for engine breaking at phoenix uh that year so uh he definitely has the potential to um be a dominant driver in the cup series but you know just takes cup series of course is a lot harder you know drivers that we thought would have dominated immediately um you know in, in this chase era um you know larson chase elliott two examples we thought would be up there immediately and it took them a few years to start winning so um william byron's now won the more than uh two times now for the first time in his career so maybe he's possibly going to go here on a streak or at least um dominate uh here in the upcoming months so we'll have to see yeah it's something that we have to observe as we go along i don't know if we're going to really learn anything from the all-star event because it's on a track that they're not going to race on at least after this weekend for a while um and there who knows if the surface that they are going to race on will be the same the next time they race on it so i think the other piece that we have to go over though is the ross chastain and kyle larson battle kyle larson was throwing back to tony stewart's uh, xfinity win what ended up being uh, tony stewart's last i think xfinity win. no it was his only xfinity win the only time he ever drove for hendrick motorsports yeah daytona at Daytona in the Xfinity series, driving a number 80, and he won uh, the 300 there along. That was part of his run he had there for many years. And then um, Ross Chastain was throwing back to Dale Jarrett, and um, he took the big brown truck and Tony Stewart throwback, and they ran into each other and um, a bunch. And by the end of it, uh, Ross Chastain went and uh, got into Kyle Larson, put him in the wall and uh, handed the race to William Byron. I mean, there's a bunch of aggro, typical, oh, Ross Chastain is too aggressive, this, that, and the other. He's got the woe is me kind of deal. And there's people that are into it. There's people that aren't into it. I mean, at the end of the day, I think NASCAR is more has become more of a circus. So having a guy who kind of has no fear and um, has an owner that's going to back him up and Justin Marks, I mean, I, I also was thinking about this on my long ride back for work, from work to home, and you got all these people who have never really had to drive in, in bad equipment, you know, like Kyle Larson or William Byron or some of these other guys that have had aggro, like Denny Hamlin, um, have had aggro with, with Ross Chastain. Ross Chastain was a starting park guy a few years ago. Uh, Ross Chastain was a guy that, Nobody was saying, oh, he's going to end up finishing second in points in the Cup Series. Uh, people were like, oh, maybe he has a chance to have a career in the Xfinity Series if he gets with the right team or have a good truck or something like that. I mean, he carried you, – you look at how bad Nice Motorsports is, even with his his protege there who also does the same stupid shit at times in, in Carson Osovar. He literally made Nice Motorsports – a better organization. He carried them and was in position to possibly win a truck championship. He went and got, he went and changed his point allocation from Xfinity to trucks because he thought he had a chance to win the champion. He went from losing an opportunity at Ganassi and Xfinity to ending up being employed by Ganassi. And then in turn, Justin Marks buys the organization and um, goes and takes the one team and takes his team, 99, and the 99 team, and uh, merges it within uh, whatever, I guess, I guess he, however that worked out. But 
to get the two charters and have um, track house racing as we see it. But it seems like every week Ross Chastain is in the news, usually not for the most positive reasons. It's been over a year since his last Cup Series victory. Uh, I'm trying to remember if he's won anything in between now and then. I don't think he has. Um, there's been a lot of conjecture, a lot of talk about him. You know, yeah, that idiot stick Gregson tried to fight him and um, got took a right cross uh, from uh, Chastain at Kansas. Kyle Larson didn't want to have anything to do with it because he's four foot nine. And um, but his owner and his car owners and Hendrick and Gordon were whining. Um, in the grand scheme of things, though, Kyle Larson drives similar to to Ross Chastain. It's just people are people seemingly deal with it because Kyle Larson is is now a top seventy five NASCAR driver, which I think is a bit. Uh, presumptuous um and then also you know he's had one really he's had two really good seasons in his career and the guy's been voted one of the 25 best drivers since 1998 i think that's pretty stupid but um these two guys are guys that are kind of bullheaded they ran into each other two of the three best cars on the racetrack gave away the victory really in the process but I mean, I think it's a case of these guys are going to keep on having these battles and Ross Chastain is not going to give because it's just not in his DNA. You could hook him into the wall. You could right rear him into the wall. You could Matt Kenseth him into the wall. It really won't matter. I don't think it would phase him. Uh, but I don't know. What do you think, Josh, in regards to that? Oh, well, I mean, I think I think maybe a right rear into the wall might, someone else right rearing him into the wall might um, cause him to reconsider, um, especially if, you know, it ended up getting hurt or something or or if he put some of the wall and, and it they ended up getting hurt, that might be the line there, um, one would have to think. But, I mean, it's just a lot of, you know, groupthink and bias, uh, you know, with everybody with who's been established and um, who's been uh, part of the sport for a long time. Obviously, Trackhouse is a new team. You know, Hendrick has been in the sport uh, for, you know, since 1984. And um, obviously, Ross came from starting parks and worked, you know, grinded his way up and really did um, unconventional way of getting here into the cup series and um you know of course ruffled feathers in his first you know real attempt uh at having a a funded ride you know with harvick and everything and um, of course larson has been kind of you know one of the uh favorites i'm not gonna say favorite son but you know he's definitely been a favorite driver in terms of you know people being impressed by his talent uh, on the racetrack and what he's been able to do. So, um, you know, since he's been in the cup series. So I think when you look at, look at it like that, uh, obviously a lot of people are going to take sides on the guy who's, you know, been here longer and has credibility to their names. Of course, um, you know, he's ruffled feathers with other people who've had uh, a lot of hardware, Elliot, Denny Hamlin, uh, other Kyle Bush, other people. So, you know, clearly, you know, clearly there's a, um, you know, when you look at it like that, it's kind of stacked against him. But I mean, in this incident alone, um, you know, I think you have to consider self-preservation. Uh, I think, I mean, if you look at the data, he was full throttle uh, into turn one and two and got tight and held on to it. And he said he meant to squeeze Elliot or squeeze Larson into the wall you know, after Larson squeezed him into the wall uh, on the previous restart. Um, but you know, of course, you consider 
the future, of course. You know, maybe do you try to figure out a way to survive that without making contact and continuing on in, in everything? Or you just, you know, hope hope you land square into him and keep going? Um, you know, I think that's something you have to consider, of course. Uh, almost cleared him, uh, Larson there but for Ross, but didn't and, you know, hooked himself into the wall. So, uh, you know, I think um, that's... Uh, the consideration you have to make about raising hard is, you know, is it worth it to try to squeeze them into the wall and potentially take yourself out? Or do you try to survive the next corner and potentially, or, you know, the current corner and then try to keep him, keep him alongside for the, uh, the next corner after the back stretch. So, uh, that that's, it's hard to say, I guess, but, um, of course, you know, if you leave, leave it, uh, you know, half throttle or something and, you know, make the corner, um, and possibly let him go possibly, you know, let away race win, but you keep the points, you know, you also have to consider the points as well. And having a top five versus, you know, being behind the wall and, um, you know, coming out of the care center, that's uh, something else you have to consider with that result. Uh, but I mean, it's tough to say, and of course, um, people are going to be biased against him and everything. And yeah, you're right. I mean, we talked about it before the show. I mean, Larson has done a lot of this uh, in the past as well, the type, same type of racing style. Um, but, you know, he's obviously been able to do a lot in the car when he needs to. And, you know, obviously a lot of people, um, you know, I mean, I'll admit it too, you know, have liked, liked his driving style over the years and everything. And, you know, Ross Chastain, of course, um, if, if he doesn't be aggressive, I mean, does he even really, you know, get the top fives and top tens that he's been getting since he's been in the cup series or, you know, does he get relegated to a lot more mediocre top 15, top 20 finishes, uh, you know, if he stays, um, I guess, you know, contained or however you want to call it like this does he have worse finishes if he's more mindful of others so that's definitely something to consider and of course you know in this uh next gen car you know you really have only one oppor- or two opportunities to really make a move for the win uh off of a restart so uh, especially a track where it's really tough to pass anyways so that's also something to consider um in in that regard uh so there's a lot of considerations you have to make and um i mean today justin marks had mentioned that uh you know i think for him he wants wants to see you know less or that you know he needs to have some things that he needs to clean up for chastain but um i mean i think it's probably a private conversation of exactly what to uh contain there of course um probably make some considerations on when when to go for it versus when not to go for it but you know at the end of the day i mean ross chastain races really hard and you know like i said before i think he's similar to brad keselowski from 2009 to 2014 when he got beat up by jeff gordon on pit road at texas so um something to consider there um i think uh there's a lot a lot similar to that driving style so um you know i think you just got to continue to race hard and you know just got to be able to convert that racing hard and wrecking people in the winds. And then eventually, you know, people will just have to accept it for what it is. Yeah. I mean, I think wins will help Ross's case. I mean, that's kind of what helped with Brad once he had his uh, 2011 season after his stuff he did in Xfinity against the uh, Gibbs guys, uh, most uh, notably Hamlin and Kyle Bush. But, you know, he did ruffle feathers. It's the same with Logano. 
I think every there's always the flavor of the month, and these days I think uh, these days I think it really is about Ross Chastain and putting himself in uh, position. You know, I, I think it's something to look at for. Uh, later in the year if if things kind of start going haywire on them uh if some of the stuff that happens here is part of the reason why uh chastain currently is the overall points leader by 27 over christopher bell uh, kevin harvick is two points behind bell and third hamlin fourth william byron fifth X six Blaney, Reddick, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Larson round out the top 10. Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Chris Busher, Ricky Stenhouse, Darrell Wallace Jr., and Chase Briscoe round out the 16. Uh, nobody that's outside of the 16 has a win, so that is the 16 at the moment. Uh, 13 points separates Briscoe and Daniel Suarez. Uh, Bowman is in between them, but of course he hasn't run in a few, in three weeks, and it doesn't seem like he's going to return. He's definitely not returning this coming week, and we don't know when he will. Um, And as an aside to that, I was going to go and have a rant about Briscoe and how god-awful the Stuart Haas racing team is because of how bad their cars have been all year um, outside of Kevin Harvick. I mean, you, you have Briscoe in 16th. I mean, he has, what's it called? He has four top tens, three top fives, an average of 18th place finish, which is really pathetic. Um, compare it to his teammates. Um, trying to look for Almirola. Almirola is a near 23. 23rd place finish average. Priest has a 24th place average finish. Uh, Priest hasn't gotten a top 10 yet all year. Almirola only has has one. Briscoe did lead laps uh, at some point this year. I'm trying to remember. I feel like Martinsville, but um, I can't quantify when that was. But uh, yeah, it was Martinsville. He led 109 laps. Otherwise, he's only led six laps the rest of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, he finished after after the first three races where he, he didn't run very well in any of them. He had issues at Daytona, of course, a wreck. He finished seventh at Phoenix. Then it was just a bunch of nothing. Austin, he finished 15th, Richmond 12th. Then he had the three straight top five finishes, Bristol Dirt, which was expected, Martinsville, which was a lot to do with track position, and then Talladega after, um, you know, he spun out and lost uh, laps and a whole bit, uh, was able to get back on the lead lap. And then the last three weeks have been pretty god-awful, more similar to what he was doing early in the season. I mean, I don't know what is going on with that team. I don't know what's going on with that organization outside of Chase Briscoe car, the 10 and the 41, but they suck really bad. And um, the fact that they don't change anything is disturbing to me because he's supposedly the future of your organization. The rumors are Josh Berry might be coming in. He's an older driver in terms of age, of course, not really good on road courses. And is it going to be with Rodney Childers? Is it going to be that same team or what's going to happen there? Is Eric Almirola going to continue to drive around 15th to 25th every week like he's done his whole career? Are they going to keep Ryan Priest around? I, I don't know what the end game is there. Tony is preoccupied racing with his wife and running drag racing. Gene Haas, who knows what the hell he wants to do. Because one day he might be at an F1 race, one day he might be at a cup race, one day you can't even find him. So 
So what is his commitment? You can't win in this sport when you don't have people that are committed. And that goes from ownership all the way down. If your leaders don't give a crap, then what is, what's to say that any of these other people do? Harvick does because he has his legacy and he wants to go out on a good note. But to be fair, ever since he showed up there back nine years ago or 10 years ago or whatever, he's been the dominant presence there. And basically all the vortex has been on that four car. Everybody else has stunk um, outside of 2018. So something to look at and consider as we move forward in the um, points and in the season. Uh, Larson, as I mentioned, won the Shriners Children's 200 at Darlington. 18 lead changes amongst nine drivers. Uh, Larson, John Hunter Nemechek, Josh Berry were the three uh, major lap leaders in the race. Um, the top five drivers were really, those drivers were up there all day um, along with Mayer and Barry. Larson won stage one, finished second in stage two. Uh, John Hunter finished second in stage one, first in stage two, qualified on pole. And um, yeah, Larson, the winner over Allgaier, Custer, Austin Hill, John Hunter, Hosevar uh, in sixth, Josh Berry seventh, Sam Mayer. Eighth, Kaz Grala, ninth, and Corey Heim, his teammate, in tenth. Uh, there were 26 cars on the lead lap. I mean, there was only a couple cars that fell out early in the race. So Riley Herbst wrecked early, and then Blaine Perkins had a mechanical. Then there was a multi car wreck, which took out Ryan Ellis, Brockshot Jones, Ryan Truex, and Chandler Smith. And Joe Graff Jr. tried to go and run over. I think he tried to run over one of his teammates, and that didn't work out so well. Um, yeah, that's what happened with that. But yeah, Larson gets the win, uh, second win for the colleague 10 car, the quote star car uh, this year. Last late race battles, hit getting into it with John Hunter Nemechek. But kind of what we expected, uh, Larson going out there, being able to do work. It didn't start that com- comfortably for him, but he ends up getting that victory. John Hunter Nemechek gets a stay, gets a playoff point in the process, but probably maybe leaving wondering if he could have done a little something different to try and hold off uh, young money there. But he still is well up in the points and a uh, good highlight reel battle there for later in the season. I mean, yeah, that race finished there to the Xfinity race, uh, very much kind of similar to what we saw in 2003 with Jamie McMurray and Todd Bodine uh, battling for the win uh, in the 2003 Xfinity race there. Uh, but it was a very, very exciting finish with you know Larson fighting uh, Kyle Larson or with John Hunter for the win. And, of course, you know, just hard racing there. You know, John Hunter, um, you know, said it after coming out of the care center, didn't have uh, really any issues with Larson, but uh, really, really exciting win there. Larson driving it deep into turn three and grabbing the lead on the, you know, on the final lap. And then uh, John Hunter fighting back on the inside and they make contact after Larson um, runs into the wall and then bounces off of that and gets into uh, John Hunter, and John Hunter spins towards the uh, front stretch wall and everything. So it was definitely an exciting finish there. Uh, John Hunter still gets a top five out of it, so it's not hurt too much in in terms of uh, points. Uh, you know, the only thing he loses out on is a win uh, there. But 
um, yeah, I mean, definitely a, a good race based on, you know, the, the statistics of the race for uh, lead changes and, uh, you know, passing and all that stuff. And, you know, obviously um, this type of racing for uh, the Xfinity cars, you know, they definitely put on a good show, um, you know, with the amount of tire wear that they get and the amount of uh, power that they have compared to the cup cars. So uh, this you know, of course, is a really good track for uh, Xfinity racing, of course. And, um, you know, for a lot of the regulars, of course, they still get good finishes here. Of course, Carson Hosevar, you know, driving the 77 went from 25th to 6th. So uh, definitely a really good, really good uh, start for him in the 77 this weekend, of course, making a one-off uh, here in Xfinity this year. Uh, but uh, Josh Berry, of course, you talked about earlier, you know, finishing in 7th, uh, so, you know, good start there. Um, Kaz Grala, uh, Corey Haim, both, both guys driving for Sam Hunt, running out the top 10. Uh, so they had some pretty good finishes there. Parker, uh, Clearman, 13th. Jeremy Clements in 14th. So really shows you, you know, how much uh, you know, this series, you know, some of the smaller funded teams, you know, how, how they can go and get good finishes and, um, you know, how they're able to, compare against the competition, you know, when there's definitely a lot of uh, tire wear and, uh, you know, things that can cause uh, changes in the running order there. So um, good good results there, of course. Anthony Alfredo, of course, running the Dale Jr. throwback to 2017. Uh, so good good scheme there, in my opinion, uh, finishing on the lead lap in 15th there. So good uh, good run for him there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this, this race is definitely, I think, probably better than than the cup race of course but you know, i think we all know that at this point that the xfinity car seems to perform overall better than the cup car on you know all, overall all the tracks so uh just uh that's how it is these days but uh that's how it is but still yeah it was definitely a exciting finish there at the end and definitely uh feels more like a throwback finish uh than than what we saw in the cup series yeah and for kyle larson getting a finally getting that elusive victory at Darlington been waiting a while to get one I think he really thought he was going to get a double there I thought so but didn't happen he did get the one on Saturday though and uh you know for John Hunter doesn't really hurt him too bad he still leads the overall point standings by one point over um Austin Hill who leads the playoff standings of course with one more win John Hunter has six top fives, Austin Hills five, and nine top tens, Austin Hills eight. Um, average finish is basically a position better for John Hunter at the moment. Uh, the battle is really between those two guys, to be honest. Um, something to look at as we go along, I think, in the rest of the season. I think there's going to be um, a lot more to lo- see a third of the way through the 2023 Xfinity series season and those two guys are the dominant figures Um, of course Chandler Smith Sammy Smith Jeb Burton all have won so they're all behind them but the next three drivers that are there overall in points Justin Allgaier Josh Berry Cole Custer all veterans uh, trying to make uh, something happen here this year Sheldon Creed essentially pretty solid at the moment uh 23 points above the cut line riley herbst has had a pretty bad run of it recently and he's now only six points ahead of the cutoff uh mayor is two points out of the cutoff of of daniel hemrick and then the drivers that are outside 
Uh, Parker Kligerman has had a recent bad run of races and went from being inside the cut to minus 33. Bruckshot Jones, minus 43. Uh, and then after that, it's really asking a lot. We'll go and do the trucks thing, and then I'll rewind back to the 75 greatest drivers piece. Uh, truck series, uh, they had um, the Buckle Up South Carolina 200 uh at Darlington Raceway, Christian Eckes in the uh, Herschel McGriff throwback gets the victory, leads the most laps, wins stage one, uh, third and stage two you know, over Stuart Friesen, Tanner Gray, William Byron in the 51 for Kyle Busch Motorsports, winner of the second stage. Carson Hosevar, so a fifth and a sixth place finish for him this past weekend. Raja Carruth, who had a really fast uh, Wendell Scott uh, throwback number 24 late in the race, but the cautions didn't land in his favor. Bubba Wallace, Corey Heim, who was the dominant truck for a good amount of the night. Uh, Dean Thompson, and then Caden Honeycutt, who's making, I believe, his first start for the Young's Motorsports team. 23 trucks on the lead lap. Um, looking at some of the, yeah, I mean, the G2G trucks course had issues um chase birdie getting involved in a wreck early in the race he was not really happy um going through some of these other people and finger coming off as win at kansas only comes home with a 14th place finish Corey lajoy who was our wild card pick uh finished 16th he really never had pace the whole night i mean the ekis gets the victory there was some nonsense there late in the race but you know there was a lot of wrecking and stuff but in the grand scheme, and they almost said that they, I think they were trying to go and keep it going with the green white checkers. And they said that he hadn't crossed the line, which I'm like, there's no effing way that he didn't cross the line there. Um, and then they rewound it and po- played it on TV and said that, yeah, he did cross the line. I'm like, thank God, because they're just going to keep on destroying vehicles at that point. But I think the bigger story that a lot of people don't bo- are not bothering to really cover. I mean, granted, credit to Christian Eckes now with this McAnally Hilgeman team, the work that they have done this year to be contenders. Uh, definite credit to them in what they're doing uh, this season uh, relative to where they've been over their existence in the truck series. But I think the thing we really have to look at is Corey Heim dominated this race really uh he was up front for a good amount of the day it was really him and and Eckes the whole day or whole night and then for some reason Corey Himes crew chief and team decided to leave him out on old tires when everybody else on the lead lap got tires and then once he got tires he's buried in the back and trying to get through the traffic is very hard and it I mean, I, that's that's the one thing that I nobody bothered to ask. Like, why wouldn't you interview Corey Heim after he led 66 laps, started on pole, and was basically up front the whole day, and then you take it out of your driver's hands? How do you do that in that spot, especially knowing that a win has so much more uh, value um, in a truck in the truck series, knowing how short the regular season is, needing those playoff points, getting the the all the benefits that come from that i i I honestly think that was a bigger story that nobody bothered to cover um because they really they screwed the pooch on that one uh the good thing for him 
though, is even with that misstep, uh, he's only 15 points out of the overall lead. Um, he's one of, what is it, five drivers who have won this year. So, I mean, he's he's solidly uh, in the points. Um, so that's not, he's solidly in the playoffs either way, but I think he could have really made a statement if he had went out there and got that second win of 2023 in um, nine races there. Um, but what did you uh, think about the truck series race, Josh, on Friday night? I mean, yeah, I think, you know, I kind of agree with you there with um, Corey Heim, of course, led led a ton of laps and led the second most laps, but you don't interview him after the race to see how they, you know, what his reaction to that was. And I mean, it's a result of the, you know, TV constraints that are now in the sport uh, and, you know, they only have time to interview the winner in maybe second or third place, and that's about it. And then they don't really talk to anybody else. And then they cut to the post-race show or they cut to another sport, which is probably what they ended up doing uh, there. So, um, yeah, I mean, that uh, that was obviously, you know, it's a sign of the times in this sport. But then, you know, you also talk about the amount of overtimes that they had. Uh, Ekis, of course, great restart, and then a spin behind them. They have to take another restart, uh, course. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting time, I guess, uh, with the the truck series. Of course, uh, scheduled for 147 laps, but they went into double overtime and uh, ended up doing 158 laps. So, yeah, I mean. There's definitely a lot you can say about the race and quality uh, in the truck series, but you know, at the same time, um, guy like Christian Eckes, who hasn't really won too much in this series, gets a win. Um, you have Carson Hosevar getting another top five, Raja getting a best career finish here. Um, guys like Dean Thompson, Caden Huntingcutt getting top tens, uh, Nick Sanchez, uh, who had a highlight early in the race and gave Mario Andretti a scare with his paint scheme dedicated to Mario Andretti. Um, ended up, you know, I think that's another story too. Of course he got into it at the end, but, uh, you know, started third and, uh, finished 11th. So I think, you know, obviously his first year in the truck series and got a lot to improve Ross Chastain finishing 13th and, uh, in a nice car where kind of expect him to try to run up front, you know, as a, uh, you know, Xfinity or as a, as a truck driver or as a, as even as a cup driver, expect him to be up front, but he wasn't. So tells you how tough it is sometimes at Darlington, but, um, definitely, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of wrecks happening in this race, of course. Um, but you know, Atkins ends up pulling it out in the end, convincingly at least, and he was able to keep the win, uh, and everything. So yeah, I mean, this, uh, it's, you know, another, typical truck race uh, that, you know, we see, uh, we've come to expect where, you know, people just tear up stuff throughout the field and you have a lot of young inexperienced drivers uh, with only a handful of veterans these days. Yeah. I mean, that's uh great points as always. I mean, the, the truck series has been watered down heavily uh, the way it is this year, but one thing is for sure there is a competitive battle uh, right now. I think there's six guys that could really say that they're in the mix for this championship, the top six drivers in the points. Um, I would also venture to say that, uh, I mean, Tanner Gray is making a step forward in his career. Um, I guess that first win is coming for him. 
Nick Sanchez as a rookie, of course, trying to get that win for Kyle Busch Motorsports and Rev Racing. He's he's getting uh, better every week, and I mean that's those are two drivers I think we'd have to look at as well. Uh, going into North Wilkesboro in a loaded truck field for North Wilkesboro uh, this coming week. But in terms of the points, St. Smith leads by nine over Ty Majeski. Corey Heim, as I mentioned, is 15 points behind uh, in third, so six points behind Majeski. Ben Rhodes, Christian Eckes round out the top five. Brandon Finger, Matt Crafton, Tanner Gray, Nick Sanchez uh, round out the uh, top 10. Of course, Carson Hosevar is outside of the top 10, but has a win. So he is in, which bumps out Stuart Friesen. Uh, he is six points behind Nick Sanchez. Matt DiBurito's 20 points behind Nick Sanchez, uh, running 11th. And Jake Garcia, who hasn't run all the, he's missed one race, right? missed Daytona, uh, competitive in 13th right now, 36 points out of the cutoff and ahead of a bunch of people who've run every race this year. So uh, something to look at there as we go to North Wilkesboro. I brought up the top uh, 75 greatest drivers. So it's just adding the 25 to the people that were already there um, to list the drivers that were, I guess we can start with the 50 that were uh, we started with coming from 1998 during the 50th anniversary year, reading this off of racer.com, an article by Kelly Crandall. Uh, of course, in alphabetical order, Bobby Allison, Davey Allison, Buck and Buddy Baker, Jeff Bodine, Neil Bonnet, Red Byron, uh, Jerry Cook, Dale Earnhardt, Ralph Earnhardt, Bill Elliott, Richie Evans, Red Farmer, Tim Flock, A.J. Foyt, uh, Harry Gant, Jeff Gordon, Ray Hendrick, Jack Ingram, Ernie Irvin, Bobby Isaac, Dale Jarrett, Ned Jarrett, Junior Johnson, Alan Kowicki, Terry Labonte, Fred Lorenzen, Tiny Lund, Mark Martin, Herschel McGriff, uh, yeah, it's a Herschel, Herschel, I thought it was, yeah, no, so, okay, yeah, no, all right, so Herschel McGriff, um, of course, throwback scheme one this past weekend, as you mentioned, um, Cotton Owens, Marvin Panch, Benny Parsons, David Pearson, Lee Petty, Richard Petty, Mr. The King, Tim Richmond, Fireball Roberts, Ricky Rudd, Marshall Teague, and Herb Thomas, Curtis Turner, Rusty Wallace, Daryl Waltrip, Joe Weatherly, Bob Welburn, Rex White, Glenn Wood, Kale Yarbrough, Leeway Yarbrough, and that's not, they misspelled his, yeah, Yarbrough, yeah. No, they misspelled Leroy Yarbrough's name. And, He's um, a different spelling, though, right? Yeah, he is a different spelling. Um, so those were the 50. The 25 that were added over these past few weeks, uh, one uh, Anthony Wayne Stewart, also known as Smoke, uh, Tony Stewart, Candy Kane, uh, Mike Stefanik, Randy LaJoy, Kyle Larson, Greg Biffle, Sterling Marlin, Ryan Newman, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Carl Edwards, Ron Hornaday Jr., Jeff Burton, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Bobby Labonte, Martin Truex Jr., Brad Keselowski, Larry Phillips, Sam Ard, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, Matt Kenseth, and Jim Johnson. Uh, 
also known as the third seven-time Cup Series champion. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are, Josh, but I'm going to go and throw in here. I figured there was at least one definite omission uh, in Jack Sprague as a three-time Truck Series champion, basically one of the two pioneers in the Truck Series with Ron Hornaday Jr. He's definitely gotten his due, uh, one in the NASCAR Hall of Fame and also in this case. Uh, but Jack Sprague, for whatever reason, keeps on getting overlooked. I don't know why. Um, I mean, in terms of Xfinity series, a lot of the drivers now, they don't stay that long. Uh, so there really isn't anything like what Randy LaJoy did back in the day. Um, considering modified drivers, of course, considering the late Mike Stefanik, he is a NASCAR Hall of Famer. So I think as much as anything, I believe that this 25 was more of a mirroring of uh, a lot of the guys that are in the NASCAR Hall of Fame and just kind of adding them in for whatever, if they omitted them initially. Uh, a lot of these active or semi-active drivers are pretty straightforward. Um, I mean, the I, I do have a gripe with a few of these. I don't think that, I mean, I guess because there's been drivers that had way less wins uh, added that were in the initial list, I, that's maybe why Candy Kane was in there. I don't think that he really was that big of a deal. Um, I'm trying to think of how many years he really was that relevant. I mean, 2006, uh, he backed into the playoffs or something. He needed a fan vote to win the when the all-star racer, that was like 2008 or something. Like I can't remember a year where I'm like, Oh, Casey Kane was the guy ever. Um, and that to me means like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like, uh, Ernie in 1994 was the guy and was in position to possibly beat Dale Earnhardt for a championship before a serious accident. Um, Ernie Irvin came back from serious injuries and then basically when I beat, a lot of a lot of these guys and uh, won races, so I kind of get that. I, you know, you get Alan Quickie, Davy Allison because they died well before they really we really knew how much they could have done, especially Davy. Uh, Greg Biffle is it's like hit or miss for me. I know he won in the Trucks and Xfinity Series championships and nineteen Cup races, finished second in points in two thousand five to Tony, but not really sure that that's a great pick i don't think that it's really the greatest um sterling marlin um god bless his soul i know he has parkinson's or whatever he's got serious health issues going on he won two daytona 500s he won at darlington uh won at charlotte so he won some of the big races only won 10 races in his career um but it's kind of you know i'm not sure that that's worthy i mean there is like i'm talking about people somebody who was like an actual pioneer of a series and like jack sprague you could think maybe like frank kimmel since arca is now under the nascar banner like why wouldn't you consider frank kimmel or iggy katona for example to be listed in there uh based on the amount of races they won and championships uh i mean there there might be some others or modified guys that i would think would feel kind of a certain way i think doug kobe might be one of them uh amongst others i think larson getting in now um as i said earlier is a bit presumptuous because essentially he's had two good years really good years in his career um his come the comeback year in 21 where they gave him everything and he won 10 races and won a championship and then 2017 but other than that 
I mean, really, what are we talking about here with Kyle Larson? We're talking about his potential and his talent, sure. But under that logic, we need to just anoint him in the Sprint Car and Midget Hall of Fame, too, with him winning one Knoxville Nationals and a couple of Chili Bowls, under that kind of logic. You know, I, I don't see that as a logical one. No neck? I mean, really? I mean, after 2003, can anybody really tell me what the hell Ryan Newman did? I mean, Ryan Newman uh, had that great year in 2003, and he... I think he broke the Bristol track record, went under 15 seconds and won all those polls and all this crap. But other than that, like, really, I mean, he, Tony Stewart choked away the Daytona 500 and gave it to him. Uh, he won the 2013 Brickyard 400. I think Snoopy was on the car or some shit. Uh, but, I mean, he backdoored his way into the playoffs with Roush a couple, two, three, four years ago. But literally, can you, like, I'm picking three moments in a span of, what is it, from 2003 to like 2020. He basically, for like 16, 17 years, was basically irrelevant. The guy is driving for Rick Ware. And 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 like, come on now. Like, really? I, I mean, I, I mean, he almost died. That's really as much as anything. Like, he almost died yeah, in a race car. Contribution. <laughs> and, and I mean, he's yelled at all these assholes in the Daytona Beach Mafia about the safety and everything. But I mean, I don't, I don't get it with him. Uh, people want to be mad about Randy LaJoy, but he won back-to-back Xfinity titles. He was a factor in that series. He ran Cup uh, for multiple teams over the years. Um, and I, and I also, and if we want to go further, his contributions in safety, since we're talking about no neck, um, with the LaJoy seats, the, the joy of seating, I think has played a big part in a lot of the um health uh, for a lot of these drivers um carl edwards i mean he won 28 times in the cup series he's won in all three series yeah i guess that's like a 50 50 finished second in the championship twice in the cup series uh had three chances for sure to win the championship in 08 uh, 2011 and then 2016 when he walked out of the sport uh jeff burton was another one that when i heard that i'm like Huh? Um, granted, Jeff Burton won a lot of the big races. He won the 600 a couple times. He won Daytona for his first race of the, or first, um, no, not, he didn't win his Daytona for his first cup win. That was Greg Biffle, um, the summer race. But he, he won, uh, Darlington the one time where he hit the wall when it was raining and somehow or another they ended up calling a race and he's doing a rain dance and he won. Um, won 20 plus races and, and he did win an Xfinity series, but like Jeff Burton wasn't really like a game changer guy. Uh, he was always like second fiddle to Mark Martin at Roush. I think there was about two years where he was really that guy. If we're going to get into it like 2000, the year 2000, maybe was one of them when he ended up finishing falling short to Bobby Labonte. Uh, and then 2006, when he drove for RCR, and that was the first of the five consecutive championships for Jimmy Johnson. Uh, but I'm like, I'm not really sure, you know, like I don't really get the, the notion of, of some of these guys getting picked over, but I guess they needed to fill 25 spots. People wanted to be mad about Larry Phillips. The fact is the advanced auto parts weekly series, what was Winston racing series has a place in this sport, people, the local 
drivers going and winning. And he did a great job and he won many championships. I mean, if we're going to have that argument, I mean, where do you think Josh Berry came from? Where's Carson Quapple driving? You know, they're driving in the in the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series. The Cars Tour is essentially that. You know, they're running at Hickory and running at whatever. That's where he's making his name. I mean, Carson Quapple is going to be in an Xfinity car probably at by the end of the year. He's probably going to be in truck sooner than that. Um, but that's where it came from. Sam Ard, uh, he... He got seriously injured in a in an accident in an Xfinity car to end his career early, but he owned cars after that. The Thomas's Country Ham car, where uh, the likes of Brett Bodine made his NASCAR Big Three debut, um, Jimmy Ensley, et cetera, et cetera. Sam Ard was a big was a pioneer of the what is now the Xfinity series with uh, you know Jack Ingram and um, you know some of the other guys of that day. I mean, most of the, I mean, the rest of them, other ones I think are pretty straightforward. The Bush brothers, Harvick can't argue his, his, uh, resume. Plus the fact that he owned a championship winning race team, uh, with, uh, Ron Hornaday winning two of his four truck series championships for Kevin Harvick and a good number of those 51 races in the truck series with Kevin Harvick as well. And, uh, what is the other one? Yeah. I mean, Logano last year basically solidified it. It's not like he didn't have an argument without that championship, but winning that second championship uh, basically solidified it. And he's in his 30s, uh, early 30s there. So, I mean, he's going to be around for a while. Tenzith and Jimmy, uh, pretty easy um, to justify in both of those cases. Uh, not just the longevity aspect of it, but the ability to win so many races, win the biggest races, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know, Josh, um, before we move forward into the roundup, did you have any takeaways from that additional 25? I know, of course, you're very happy that Junebug made it. Um, Well-deserved, honestly, I think, um, no matter what people may want to say about his career, uh, he did have four really Great years in his career, two in the eight car and 03 and 04, where he was a definite factor for the championship. And then two years in the 88 car, I think it was 14 and 15, where he is a factor for the championship. There was a definite lull uh, around that, but, you know, he won races. He won, he did something his dad couldn't do. He won two Daytona 500s. And his presence now as basically a spokesperson for the fans. Um, as a media member and being the guy who can, you know, influence so many things uh, just with his microphone uh, and being a car owner um, has, I think, a, as big or a bigger presence. Um, it's almost like what he probably would have done if he had ended up having DEI, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously very happy to hear and see Dale Jr. make it into the, the list um, and, you know, be recognized as one of the uh, 75 greatest drivers in this sport so yeah very happy about that but you know i think you know you have a lot of takeaways and uh complaints i guess about you know this list and i mean i'll say that you know i was right that they would put all the cup champions who have won a title since 1998 on this list uh and they did that um and or who weren't already on that list in 1998 so you know of course uh on that list uh, for all the cup champions, but it also meant that cup champion uh, 
is not the only requisite to be on this list. Of course, you have Xfinity champions in here. You have truck champions in here on this list. Um, but beyond just winning a championship, you have people who won uh, the crown jewels of this uh, of this race or of this series, and uh, you know, in in NASCAR in general, or had you know really outstanding achievements. You know. And, I mean, obviously, you talked about you know Ryan Newman and what what he really did in NASCAR, and I mean, right? He never won a championship. Uh, wasn't that wasn't the guy outside of one year? But I mean, I think fifty one poles is a uh, you know pretty remarkable achievement. I mean, obviously, it tailored off you know in later years um, as things changed. But I mean, obviously, you know, he did a lot. Uh, in the first part of his career winning so many, you know, so many polls. So, I mean, obviously they're going to recognize that uh, there. Of course, um, you have Carl Edwards in this list, um, you, you know, won, won a couple of the crown jewels uh, in this series, of course, and was a former uh, Xfinity winner uh, as well. Uh, Sterling Marlin, two-time winner in Daytona 500. Um, I mean, obviously didn't really have much of a, um, contribution you know i mean could have won the 2002 title uh if he didn't break his neck uh you know everything obviously uh considering all of that you know i guess they put him on the list there casey kane obviously that was one that really stood out to me as um you know or you know really but you know he also won the coca-cola 600 a handful of times uh and obviously that's one of nascar's crown jewels as well uh there so um yeah i mean i think the the list is pretty well well rounded, but also I mean it's very heavy with uh, handed in the star power. I mean obviously all most of these guys were the stars of the Cup Series in you know the mid two thousands or the late nineties. Uh, so I mean obviously it's going to lean heavy you know towards that direction. Uh, of course, I mean obviously it brings uh, a lot of attention uh, to back to the series uh, for people who may have stopped watching or. Um, you know, reduce their their time and everything being recognized brings all all that you know fans back into it, of course. So you know that's kind of what it is. Um, I mean, I will say one name. You know, if you, we want to consider titles, I mean, you said Jack Sprague, of course, being a pioneer. I mean, um, I mean, I feel like you know if we're gonna just talk about titles strictly alone, that possibly you could make a case for somebody like Todd Bodine because he won the truck title uh, two times and you know had 15 wins in the Xfinity series and 22 truck wins. So you can make a case for him being on, on that list as well. In addition to his brother, uh, Brett or not Brett, but Jeff Bodine. So there's a case there um, just looking through some of the guys that won titles. I mean, if we want to go in strictly titles alone, do we want to give, Ricky Stenhouse, who now has a Daytona 500, in addition to uh, two uh, Xfinity titles, do we want to give him the nod there? Um, was he is he really the guy? I mean, I don't think so, but I mean, you can make that consideration because he won a title twice, uh, two times in a row. Do we say the same thing about Tyler Reddick? That's probably too early, but again, two titles in a row. But course those titles come at a time when xfinity is very very lean in terms of uh, competition there what about you know what about jeff green i mean he was he was the guy in the xfinity series for a number of years uh do we give him the nod there as well i mean 
uh, you know, that can make the list less bloated with cup drivers. You know, of course, you talk about Kyle Larson a lot. I mean, think if it weren't for 2021, probably would not be on this list. Um, so that's something to consider as well. And what about about uh, Johnny Benson, who, you know, he was a uh, truck title winner in 2008 and won the uh, Xfinity Series in 1995. Of course, didn't really have that stellar of a cup career, but you know, he, uh, you know, was there, you know, for a number of years. So think about, think about all those considerations, uh, that they could have made, but I mean, they, you know, went really cup heavy, like I expected that they would. And then, you know, I think they gave the nod to a lot of very obvious choices of guys that made their names outside of the cup series, like Ron Horner day, like, uh, Larry Phillips, Sam Art, of course, one of the pioneers of the Xfinity series. So, yeah, I mean, this is definitely, uh, pretty heavy list here and i think you know i think everybody here probably um you know you can make a case for them being on this list so yeah i mean it's a pretty pretty big list and you know looking forward to seeing you know what what they have when they have the 100 drivers here in 25 years and i don't know if we'll be around well i mean we'll be around i don't know if this show will be around maybe it will be so it's another it's 25 years away so um we'll see who ends up being on there for list 100, maybe, maybe some of the kids that aren't here or that are not on this list currently. Maybe we have, you know, driver's kids. Do we see Brexton Bush or, uh, do we see, um, you know, some of the driver's kids make it up into the cup series that, you know, have already started to become well-talented and everything in, in the lower divisions. Do they make it up into this 100 or something like that? That would be interesting to see. Yeah, well, I'll be in my 60s at that point. You'll be in your, I think, what, your early 50s or something like that. So we'll see if uh, at that point of it, if we're watching it on actual TV or it'll be on streaming or whatever. Keelan Harvick versus Owen Larson. That'll be compelling. Um but I guess we'll find out at that point when that point comes. Let's get into the roundup here. IMSA raced at Laguna Seca. Uh, the Ganassi Cadillac team, Sebastian Bourdais, Renger Van de Zanda, uh, gets the victory. They've had a lot of issues so far this year, both here and abroad. But they get the victory by 3.882 seconds over the Porsche of Nick Tandy and Matthew Jaminet. Uh, Pippo Durrani and Alexander Sims round out the podium, so two Cadillacs on the podium. Ricky Taylor, Philippe Albuquerque in the Konica Minolta Acura, and then the first of the two BMWs, Philipping and Augusto Farfis, uh, finished fifth. The Blomquist and Colin Braun were uh, on pole, or on the front row with uh, the seven Porsche of uh, Matt Campbell and Felipe Nazar, but they had Matt, they had multitude of issues uh, during the race. Uh, the, what does that mean? Uh, yeah, the Sheena Monk, Catherine Legg, uh, Gradient Racing Acura had problems all day. Uh, there were five retirements. Um, the most notable ones were Jared Andretti um, getting bounced off of that Matt Campbell Porsche and going crashing into the pits in his first race in a GTD car. Um, then John Ferrano, who had to go and get medical attention at a local hospital after his incident. Uh, but they're saying all is well for him, the Tower Motorsports uh, principal, team principal there. 
Um, in LMP2, Seth Thomas and Mikkel Jensen for TDS Racing uh, gets the win over Ben Keating and Shatteen in the PR1 Matheson 52. And George Kurtz, Ben Hanley in the crowd strike by racing my APR car. Round out the podium in GTD. Uh, Metney and K. Van Burlo for Kelly Moss with Riley uh, Porsche. They get a double podium first and third. Um, yeah, and Arberlin and Hull, Udell and Ann Lauer round out the podium for the um, GTD field. I guess to be uh, for bronze. And then the first GT Pro, GTD Pro, was Daniel Yucanella and Jules Gunyan in the WeatherTech Racing Mercedes AMG. Uh, second win of the season for them, won the Rolex, uh, beats Jack Hawksworth, Ben Barnacote, and then Klaus Bockler and Patrick Keeley in the FAF Motorsports Porsche. Uh, their next race will be Detroit um, prior to a lot of a good amount of these teams going to Le Mans for the 24 hours of Le Mans. Uh, the MotoGP uh, race at Le Mans was uh, carnage filled. But uh, Marco Bisecchi takes his second win of 2023, uh, gets the championship to within one point, even with uh, Peko Bagnaia crashing with Maverick Vinales. So even with all of that, he still was able to get through. Bisecchi wins uh, Ducati sweep of the podium. Jorge Martin and Johan Zarco, the Premac teammates, finish second and third. Zarco, the French Ryder gets a podium at home. Augusto Fernandez, fourth. Alicia Spargaro in fifth. Fabio Quattararo finished seventh at home, uh, but struggles still continue for him. Um, there were only 13 riders classified at the end of the race. Mark Marquez tucked his front, t- front wheel late in the race while battling for a podium. Uh, Jack Miller was leading early, but then ended up crashing. The former Suzuki teammates, Rins and Mir, crashed a couple laps apart from each other. Alex Marquez and Luca Marini got into an issue, or I think they were involved in the same incident. And then um, there was uh, Vinales and Petko Bagnaia, as I mentioned earlier. The standings, uh, you know, the the having the sprint races every weekend has helped. Echo Bagnaya because he gets points for that, and so he's a point ahead of Bisecki. Brad Binder's third, 13 points behind Bagnaya. Martin, 14 points back overall in fourth. Johan Zarco's in fifth. Um, just go right there. Trying to change his stats for the riders. Yeah, so victories. Yeah, two victories for him and Peko Bagnaya. They're showing Marco. How are they showing Marco Bisecki twice? Um, I guess it repeats there. I don't know. Uh, interesting. Um, yeah, so two, two, one. So there's been five Grand Prix so far this year and three winners so far in the um, World Championship. The other one was Alex Rins, who right now is 10th in points. In Moto2, going into the uh, race there at Le Mans, Tony Arbolino gets another victory over Philippe Salik and uh, Alonzo Lopez. A uh, close battle between, there was a, what is a six-rider battle there, Celestino Vietti, Jake Dixon, Som Kiat Chantra. The um, Americans, Joe Roberts actually gets 
12th place this race. Sean Dillon Kelly was within a second of getting a point, uh, fell short of that to uh, Sam Lowe's. On classified, three riders did not start. Aaron Kinnett, Manuel Gonzalez, Albert Arenas. Um, we were talking about, yeah, because um, Pedro Costa crashed. Talking about him taking over that uh, gas gas ride that Fernandez is on. The points, uh, points right going into uh, the next round. Arbolino leads by 25 over Acosta and uh, 30. Eight over Alonzo Lopez. Salik is a point behind Lopez uh, there. Now we're trying to go through here. Joe Roberts, 18th in points with 10 points. Sean Dillon Kelly, one of a bunch that have not scored a point so far this year, trying at least getting closer to that. To that. Uh, moving towards Rally Portugal uh, was Cali Rovampera, as I mentioned earlier, uh, getting his first win of the season. Uh, by fifty four point uh, by fifty four point uh, four seconds, I believe that's. See, I'm trying to scroll over, can't see it. Yeah, yeah, fifty four point seven seconds over Danny Sordo, one minute twenty over es- Especalapi. So, um, and Atanek was two minutes four seconds behind and fourth. The making it two Hyundai's on the podium. Ford of Tanak was in position, possibly get a podium, and had issues late. Um, three Hyundai's in the top five. The other Toyotas had issues. Gus Greensmith uh, gets the victory after a, a essentially bogus penalty was called on Oliver Solberg uh, in the Rally Two race. Andreas Mil- Mickelson rounds out the podium there. Next race will be Rally uh, Italy. I think it's Sardinia. Uh, that'll be the first week of first of June for that one. Extreme in Scotland, as I mentioned, Veloce Racing uh, got the victory there in race two, and in race one it was it was the X forty four team of Lewis Hamilton with uh, Fraser, the defending series champions, uh, to go and get that. The next race will be the Island x is in just under two months' time, but the championship, uh, the Veloce team of Molly Taylor and Kevin Hansen are leading the points by 11 over Layla Sands, Matias Ekstrom, and then the Rosberg team of Michaela Allen, Kotulinski, and Joanne Christofferson. They're a point ahead of the last year's champions, Christina Gutierrez, Fraser McConnell, of course, taking over for Sebastian Loeb at X44. Uh, the Ganassi Hummer team of Amanda Sorensen and RJ Anderson are in fifth. Very close battle between those three teams, separated by two points, um, leading into some of the further rounds as we go along in Extreme E. Indy next at Indy Road Course. Bring that up. See what went on over there. Yeah, Matteo Nanini went and uh, got the victory there. Pretty dominant performance. Uh, he was the only leader. He led from flag to flag over Louis Foster, Kiffin Simpson, Huntel, Hunter McElray, and Christian Rasmussen were the um, top five. 
Um, miss notably missing was Ernie Francis Jr. this week. I'm not sure why that was the case. I'm trying to see out of curiosity if Ernie Francis is still around. Yeah, he's uh current standing, and yeah, so he was he was talked about in the preview for Indy Next for the road course two of the three races this season, 65. So unless he was racing Trans Am or something, I have no idea what the heck was going on there. Uh, Supercross, as I mentioned, was uh, won by Chase Sexton to end the stadium Supercross part of the season. Uh, Chase Sexton gets his first uh, 450 championship uh, as essentially by, by default with um, the injuries suffered by uh, the riders, uh, both Eli Tomac and uh, Cooper Webb. But you have to be there when it counts, and he was there, and uh, he did what he needed to do to um, get it. He won the race. He won and got the whole shot and led the entire race. Uh, Won over Aaron Plessinger and Justin Hill, Adam Cianciarulo, and Dean Wilson were the top five. Uh, the final point standings see Chase Sexton win the championship by 33 over Eli Tomac, uh, tie for third between Cooper Webb and Ken Roxon. Uh, Justin Barsha finished fifth. Jason Anderson, Aaron Plessinger, Justin Hill, Adam Cianciarulo, Dean Wilson round out the top 10. So in 250 Supercross, Hunter Lawrence wins the championship over his brother Jet by 22. Hayden Deegan, Max Anstey, RJ Hampshire round out the top five. Uh, in 250 West, Jet Lawrence, of course, gets the championship by 39 uh, over RJ Hampshire. Um, trying to look for the standings in 250 East. They didn't show, they don't show them here, but whatever. Uh, that's fine. The brothers won the 250 title, so good for them. Um, we'll preview F2 and F3 uh, at Imola. First, we'll start with F3. Uh, we have uh, the point standings leading into uh, the racing at Imola. Bortoletto up by 20 points on Gregoire Saucy uh, and 30 points on Boganovic and Gabriel Mini. Uh, points basically from third to eighth or third to ninth is only nine points. So that'll be something to look at at this round here at Imola. There's going to be racing three weeks in a row, Imola, Monaco, and Barcelona. So it'll be a a big part of what uh, could determine a lot of things here early in this championship before they take a break and then race a couple of rounds uh they'll run four times in the month of July before taking the summer break and then coming back for Monza to end their season. In Formula Two, um standings going into this weekend's race at Imola. Uh Teo Pocher has a three point lead on Frederick Vesti. Ayumo Wasa is seven points back in third. Oliver Bierman Cushmine are what is it, twenty-four points back, tied fourth and fifth and we'll see how some of the american and indian drivers do uh this weekend at uh imola f1 academy will be racing at barcelona uh racing brought them up last week uh, talked about them the f1 academy series um the standings going in after two races marta garcia leads by 26 points over Hamda Alcud 
Kabasi and Maria Marti, third, Bueller, 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 um, fourth, Hamda Al Kabasi, fifth, and Bianca Bustamante in sixth, Abby Pulling, seventh. Uh, those are the drivers that have had uh, decent point scores so far. Um, after this weekend at Barcelona, they'll take a month off before they go to Zanfort. Uh, so we'll see how that goes for the ladies. Um, supercars at Simmons Plains. Uh, they're uh, yeah, supercars at Simmons Plains. Repco Supercars Championship. Um, the threat of any other new mindset, uh, since they already have they already have um, the advantage anyway. Uh, I'll start on Friday, uh, of course, for the Tasmania Super Sprint, and then they'll wait a month before Darwin, um, the Repco Supercars Championship. Uh, current point standings. I don't know. There's championship points going in. Brody Kostecki has a hundred point lead over Chaz Mostert. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen in further 36 points back. Will Brown, Kostecki's teammate, is in fourth. And Brock Feeney, Van Gisbergen's teammate, is in fifth. Mostert's the only Ford amongst that group of five. Uh, the rest of them, of course, are Chevys. David Reynolds, Cam Waters, both in Fords. Brad Jones racing with Andre Heimgardner. Will Davison in the Shell V Power Ford. Jack LeBrock, truck assist racing uh, Camaro. We'll see if some guys like uh, Anton Di Pasquale, who's had a really rough start to the season, can go and turn things around. Uh, some of these other guys, James Courtney, uh, Thomas Randall, I think those are some a couple of people. Nick Perkett's had a nightmare start to the season as well. Uh, we'll see what some of those guys can do in the Fords after what has been a pretty brutal uh, start to their season. And then um, last but not least, we'll get an NHRA. Uh, the points as it stands for NHRA uh, going to the Route 66 Nationals, uh, the Gerber Glass and Collision Route 66 Nationals, uh, Pro Stock Call Out, and uh, Times in 2019, Family uh, uh, Pro Stock Call Out, Sorry, Giving Toro uh, Nitro Classes and Pro Stock Motorcycles. So it'll be a full event. Uh, You'll have top, no top alcohol dragster this weekend, but you'll have uh, all four pro classes plus pro mod, their mountain motor pro stock, factory stock showdown, all at um, Route 66 Raceway. Top fuel, Steve Torrance leads by 35 points over Justin Ashley. Um, Leah Pruitt, Austin Proc, and Brittany Force rounding out the top five. Antron Brown coming off a win recently there in sixth. Funny car, Matt Hagen's been dominant, uh, but DeJoria is only 58 points back in second. Robert Height, Ron Caps, Chad Green, the top five. There in pro stock, Dallas Glenn has an 81-point lead on Matt Hartford. Troy Coughlin Jr., Derek Kramer, and Cameron Caruso, the winner at Phoenix, uh, round out the top five in that class. And then in Pro Song Motorcycle, Gage Herrera's had a great start to his rookie campaign. Uh, Vance and Hines, Suzuki rider, uh, leading by over 100 points on Matt Smith, Eddie Krawick, Angie Smith, and Steve Johnson. And we'll see what happens with that if he can go and win another race here uh, this coming weekend. All right, so moving on to preview, uh, I guess... Um, you said that we should try to read this, so I'm going to go first, I guess. Uh, the 
Formula One Qatar Airways Grand Premio del Made in Italy El Del Emilia Romagna 2023, um, otherwise known as the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix, otherwise known as the San Marino Grand Prix, uh, that race at Imola, whatever you want to call it. It's a standard uh, weekend where you have three practice sessions, two on Friday, one on Saturday leading up into qualifying, and then the race will be at the regular Euro time, which will be a 9 a.m. Eastern time start for us here, um, both Josh and I. Uh, the, I mean, honestly, picking the Red Bulls have won every race this year. Uh, you're kind of hoping for a miracle to think somebody else would win. Uh, since they've returned to Imola, uh, Hamilton won in 20, and that was with some uh, kind of sketched stuff going on for him. The last two years, uh, Max Verstappen has won at uh, at uh, Imola. So I guess, um, I mean, uh, I don't know who went first last week, but um, uh, you want to go first, Josh? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, you know, I think, obviously, I think Verstappen probably wins this race. I mean, he's won the race the last two years, uh, and I don't think it's going to change. Um, but beyond that, I mean, Sergio Perez finished second in this race last year after starting third. Uh, so I mean, yeah, let's go Red Bull one, two, and that leaves that for third who can finish in third here. And, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with George Russell finishing third place on the podium. Uh, we'll see what kind of changes Mercedes, you know, they're a little bit behind on their performance this year overall. Um, especially with Lewis, but let's see if you know they can make uh, any changes here that can lead uh, to a possible podium here. Uh, so backing backing uh, the Mercedes and George Russell here, but should be an interesting one. I mean, obviously not really, but in terms of you know every, the team's performances, um, obviously I think uh alonso is probably gonna do well again surprising start uh being the oldest driver in the field to this season this year um and everything and i mean essentially taking over for vettel uh and surprising start uh to the year for him see if he can keep it up uh you know i'm curious about ferrari obviously been wildly inconsistent and Leclerc is admitting that his confidence is beginning to wane uh, in the team. So, or at least, uh, you know, this year right now. So curious how they bring their piece to the track and if they can, you know, bring him a better car that can perform, uh, obviously. And, um, of course, already brought up uh, Mercedes and, you know, I want to see how does Hamilton do. And also of note, Yuki Tsunoda finishing this uh, seventh in this one last year and it's done pretty well and probably one of the worst cars of the field this year so uh curious to see how you know those drivers do this year and you know what they're able to do so we'll see um how it happens but obviously probably going to be a very boring race uh you know with the first stop in uh probably winning and leading every app just like he did last year yeah for me i'm gonna go the other way i'll just go with checo i figure fish lips wins but for the sake of going different, I'll go with Checo, Fish Lips uh, in one and two. My third place finisher will be Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari. 
because it is essentially a home game for the Tafosi for Ferrari. They want to actually make good on what has been a pretty brutal start to their season. I mean, if Mercedes and this, you know, what people are trying to call a silver bullet with their new um, upgrade can make up a lot of this deficit that they've had for over a year. Uh, I think a podium definitely is in the cards, but I'm not banking on that, at least initially. I feel like it's going to be a couple of Grand Prix before we really know. I think going to uh, Barcelona is where we might really see the true potential there of the Mercedes, but I'm hoping it'll help. It would be for the betterment of the series because they need all the help they can get. Um, In terms of, yeah, Ferrari also um, wanting to do something uh, in in the seer in the season, putting their name out there with the competitiveness, and then you can't forget Fred Alonso. He's won there before many years ago, beating one Michael M. Schumacher in the process. Uh, can he bring it back in time and win another one? Probably not, but you know he's been up there all year. So somebody to look at currently, Aston Martin second in the constructors' championship. So can't count him out at the moment. Uh, Alonso third in the world championship driver standings. Uh, Hamilton signs fourth and fifth. George Russell sixth. Charles Leclerc seven. Stroll, Lando Norris, and Pierre Gasly. Of course, McLaren's another one that's going to be bringing an upgrade this weekend. So we have to see what they do um, as well. Mention the constructors standings. Six points separate Aston Martin and Mercedes. Mercedes is 18 points ahead of Ferrari. And then there's like a crater between Ferrari and everybody else. Um, The Indianapolis 500, they want to go and bring up, I want to find the entry list. Uh, 500 entry list 2023. So front stretch has it. Okay. Uh, So we'll go on frontstretch.com to go and see who it is. Um, Well, it's the Indy car. Okay. So 34 cars for 33 spots, as I mentioned, we'll go through uh, what is it called? Six, seven, eight, nine former winners of the Indianapolis 500, starting, of course, with Elio Castro-Neves and the 06 for Auto Nation Sirius XM, Alexander Rossi, uh, driving Ferrari McLaren, driving one of those throwback McLaren paint schemes. Uh, the I think he's running the Lone Star JR one. Or no, he's running the... I think he's running the, um, I th- or no, he is running the Lone Star JR one. Pat Ward's running the one uh, as an ode to the McLaren F1 that won Le Mans. And then Felix Rosenquist is the one that actually has a cool one, which is a Marlboro-themed one, which is like Ayrton Senna. Marcus Erickson, the defending winner of the Indianapolis 500. Scott Dixon, the guy who should have won the Indianapolis 500 last year, his teammate. Uh, Takuma Sato, a two-time winner of the Indianapolis 500, driving for Ganassi, Will Power, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray, driving for Dreyer and Reinbold Racing uh, this year. Uh, he'll be um, teammates with Stefan Wilson. Uh, no uh, Sage Karam this year for the first time in a while. Uh, what's it called? Simon Pagino, one for Ganassi, or I mean, one for Penske with uh, uh, Menard as a sponsor back a few years ago, Antoine Canon and what he says is going to be his last Indianapolis 500, but I'll believe it when I see it. Then you have in terms of rookies, 
There's four rookies listed. Uh, R.C. Enerson, who has tried to make this race a couple of times with lower-funded efforts, tries again with Able Motorsports. Stingray Rob for Dale Coyne Racing with Rick Ware. Benjamin Peterson for A.J. Foyt Racing. And Augustin Canapino for Junkos Hollander. Uh, Drivers doing a one-off in this race. Marco Andretti doing his one race of a year. Uh, Andretti Herta with Marco and Kerr Bagaginian. Um, Enerson would count in that uh, list. Tony Kanan, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray, and Stefan Wilson are all one-offs. Catherine Legg will be driving for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. Other than that, everybody else is uh, essentially a regular on the IndyCar circuit. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the if we take Texas as a uh, baseline for who may or may not have issues at uh, at uh, Indianapolis, then Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing might be in uh, in some trouble uh, trying to go uh, and be competitive, trying to qualify on the first day and get themselves locked in within that 11 through 30 um, range, which is where everyone wants to be. So they don't have to run um, run the qualifying again on Sunday. Uh, top 12 will run for the pole but and cut down to the fast six. And then there will be uh they'll have the yeah last chance for the bumping and then they'll have the firestone fast six for on sunday to determine the first two rows of the indianapolis 500 and qualifying then they'll have a practice on monday carb day practice on the friday before and then we'll uh see the race start at uh, 12 noon our time 11 o'clock a.m indianapolis time at uh so that'll be the case there um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think that looking at the whatever the results from Texas, if we're going to use that as a measuring stick, then I do believe that it could be a bit of a struggle for them, for the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan team. Uh, the, there were issues for some of the rookies, uh, Stingray Rob had issues, um, the uh, cars from AJ Foyt Racing were not exactly great either, so those are some to look at. Um, you know, the it was a they did the, a team that did well was Junkos Hollander, so that might be something to look at. Uh, the Chevys were pretty strong. Uh, top two were Chevys, dominated the race. Alex Pillow, David Malukas, Scott Dixon, so three Hondas there. Malukas has made his name on the ovals early in his career. Now, Hondas have been better at Indianapolis in recent years. So curious on your take in regards to who you look at might be in a position of uh, bother uh, come this weekend for qualifying, Josh. Uh, And, uh, you know, maybe I guess we can go and make uh, picks for poll. I'm not really sure about speed, but we can pick who we believe is going to win the poll or the front row. Maybe you can just go for the front row. You're on mute. Yeah, sorry. No, I yeah, I was trying to look at that, but I mean, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, based on speed here, who can really qualify uh, up front for the Indianapolis 500? I mean, if we really think about it, I mean, I think 
terms of who could be up there. I mean, you got to look at McLaren. Obviously, they've had really good pace the last couple of years. And, of course, this year at uh, Texas, they were um, really good up front, you know, in terms of uh, speed. Uh, Rosenquist was good. Uh, Award Rossi, and, of course, uh, Tony Kanaan is probably going to, which is supposed to be his final 500, probably going to want to make the fast 12 uh, there. So I definitely think, you know, they have a, a shot at winning the pole uh, there. Um, you know, I think, uh, of course, Penske, I think, is going to be up there as well. Um, they're always figuring out something and figuring out, uh, you know, where uh to get an advantage and how to get an advantage, get that unfair advantage, as uh, Mark Donald he used to say uh, back in the day. Uh, of course, you have uh, Andretti, uh, always formidable uh, to have a, a, a few in the top twelve. Uh, you know, come come on pole day, so it's definitely um, very very interesting to see. Um, and also, I mean, based on speed, I mean, if we're really going to say who's maybe somebody to really start worrying about is I think maybe um, uh, Carpenter Racing, of course. You know, they've been very good at Indianapolis for many years, but, you know, if we went on qualifying speed alone from Texas, I mean, they were not really good and they qualified in the back half of the field. Uh, so that's um, something to consider, but they've been uh, another team that has always brought good good pieces to uh the indianapolis 500 on qualifying day and on pole day so that's something to uh you know look at here as we get into you know later in the week um you know how qualifying pace is going to be uh for some of these guys um also you know helio castro nevis um obviously he's former winner four times uh but again you know him and simon pagino did not do well uh based in uh you know how they did in texas of course uh you know the the one time that he did uh win the 500 back in 21 with michael shank uh started on eighth you know last year uh for elio last year started in 27th and finished in seventh so um we'll see how they're able to do this year and the 500 of course last year qualified poorly but still um made a chance uh to get up towards the top 10 didn't win but still finished to finish in seventh so um and of course ganassi been fast as well uh to you know start the year on the ovals dixon second and then polo uh and sixth and seventh uh for sato and polo so yeah it's gonna be interesting for sure of course uh with everybody um now here at the Indianapolis 500, so uh, really looking forward to seeing how uh, how they do in qualifying this year, and um, you know who can you know qualify and make make pole. Who's on the front row uh, here? Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna say yeah, I'm just gonna roll you know go chalk here and say Scott Dixon qualifies on pole uh, this weekend at the Indianapolis 500. Uh, I'm gonna say Pato Award qualifies in second, uh, and then uh, we'll go. Uh, and I'm going to go with uh, Joseph Newgarden qualifying third. Going out there on a limb based on recent trends with Newgarden. Uh, of course, Scott Dixon, a five-time pole sitter in the Indianapolis 500, trying to tie the great Rick Mears with six poles in the Indianapolis 500. Um, you know, trying to see if they show Mears on this list. Uh, I have to go and bring that up. Just do it that way. That'll be the easiest way. No, because they only show when they show IndyCar, they're so showing IndyCar based on uh, what 
whatever the IRL um, go through the cart days. Yeah, so that'll be these days right here. USAC Champ Car Series stats at this track. Go and load that polls. Yeah, just to confirm, it is. Yeah, Rick Mears has six polls. He finished every time he finished in the top ten. It was a top five. Nine top fives and top tens, four wins and 15 starts at the Speedway. Uh, average start of four and a half, average finish 11-2, uh, even with the four wins. Uh, A.J. Foyt in 35 starts said the four wins, 10 top fives, 17 top tens, four pulls. Um, average start of 10.1 and fin average finish of 13.4. Um, Mario Andretti, average start of 8.7, uh, but average finish of 17.9. And talk about how many close calls he had at Indianapolis. Uh, going into the uh, IRL field um, in terms of the in NTT IndyCar series, as I mentioned, uh, Scott Dixon has five poles. So if he can go and uh, do it this year, you Tyrick Mears. Uh, the average, so yeah, get the active drivers. The average start for active drivers, Rena's VK, um, three starts at Indy with an average start of 3.3. So he's been on the front row. Um, he's been on the front row twice and started fourth in his rookie year. Um, Alex Pillow, average start of fifth in three starts. Of course, one was with Dale Coyne. Um, Elio Castroneves, as Josh mentioned, four-time pole sitter, four-time winner, or four-time pole sitter, four-time winner, average start of ninth, better finishing average, which is always great. Uh, Marcus Erickson actually has an under 10 average start along with Will Power, Antoine Canaan, uh, just over 10, 10.1. So for me, I mean, I I agree. I feel like Scott Dixon, he's due uh, to win this race again, which I'm not talking about that's for next week who we're going to pick and all that. But after last year, it's I feel like he probably feels like he's owed one. Uh, but I do believe he's going to tie Rick Mears with six poles at Indianapolis, uh, pick Scott Dixon. Um, then on to go into the rest of the front row, I the point you made about Tony Kanaan in his supposedly final Indy 500, I say he'll be the fastest McLaren, and he'll start second in the Indianapolis 500. Uh, and then in third will be, in third will be, I'll go. I'll go a little out there with this one. I'm going to go and say David Malukas. So uh, Scott Dixon, Tony Kanaan, and David Malukas. Uh, so we both have the same pole sitter. Have a little bit of different, a different uh, McLaren person, and then a different outside pole sitter. But I guess we'll find out who is right or what happens in qualifying. Hopefully, the weather, of course, uh, is in favor of the teams so that they can get all the qualifying it uh i mean i i mean i would say that we both probably think that the rc enerson is the most likely person to go home so uh that really isn't um, no offense to, to rc enerson but coming in as a one-off with a new team showing up to the speedway um still building the car uh, you know, some of these other teams have multiple cars 
So we'll see how that all works out for them. All right, last uh, thing we have to go into, picks and uh, preview the trucks and the Cup All-Star Race. So uh, before we get into the Cup and the history aspect, let's talk about the Tyson 250 for the trucks. It's a 30, uh, 40 teams for 36 spots in this uh, field. You have Bubba Wallace driving again in the 0-1, or I mean the one truck for Tricon. Uh, Norm Benning actually is trying to show up, so you know he's probably going to fight to qualify. Uh, Sauter, yeah. Kyle Larson's going to be driving the 7 for Spire. Um, look through some of these other ones. Josh Williams driving for AM Racing after they took a week off in the 22. Um, Chris Hacker. We'll be driving to 30 for On Point Motorsports. Um, let's see, Ryum uh, talking about failing to qualify, but he was running used tires you know, for whatever that's worth. Uh, Ross Chastain will be in the 41 for Nice. William Byron in the 51 for uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports. There will be two HendrickCars.com Chevys out there. Christopher Bell will be driving a second Hattori Racing truck. Uh, the number 61, former Truck Series champion, uh, of course, there. Um, Byron should have been a Truck Series champion, but, uh, of course, as Josh mentioned, they blew an engine at Phoenix and got knocked out. Uh, Connor Jones making another start for Thor Sport. Akinori Ogata for G2G, uh, trying to make the show there as well. So 40 for 36. I'll go. I'll go first here. Um, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with William Byron to win this race. I think I went with him last week. That didn't work, but or sometime recently in a truck. But uh, I think he's gonna win this one. He's one of the few guys I think has experience on this track, actually racing on it uh, from back in the day. I might be mistaken, but definitely when you consider his sim prowess as well, um, probably could play a role in what happens there. Uh, so I say Will Byron gets a win. Uh, my wild card selection for the race itself, it's definite opportunity. Oh, 30, 21. So 22. I count Jake Garcia because he's basically run every year. So it's 11. Uh, my wild card pick for this weekend, uh, I'm going to jump ahead of Josh I'm going to pick Raja. Um, he had a great uh, end of the race there at Darlington. Short tracks are his bread and butter. Uh, this track is really rough, similar to Darlington. You know, who knows what can happen there. If he can get good track position, possibly could get that um, first truck series win. So um, picking picking the 51 to win uh and uh taking Raja Karuth as my wild card. What say you, Josh, in regards to the Tyson two fifty? Well if you're gonna pick a cup driver who's driving the Hendrickcars.com fifty one, then I'll have to go on the other end and pick a cup driver driving the Hendrickcars.com number seven, Kyle Larson replacing the injured Alex Bowman uh this weekend. So um obviously Kyle Larson uh, never been to North Wilkesboro. I don't think anybody uh, has, except for maybe some of the older guys or anybody that raced uh, late models in the mid 2010s when they briefly revived uh, North Wilkesboro. So, got to go with uh, 
Larson here uh, this weekend in the Truck Series. Uh, wild wild card uh, in this race. Um, let's see. You know, let's see how. Uh, um, I mean, think um, we go outside here. Top twenty. Uh, let's let's see how. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna pull a name out of hat here. Dean Thompson. Let's see how he can do at at uh, North Wilkesboro this weekend. So can uh, Tricon Garage got some cup experience with Bubba Wallace here this weekend, of course, uh, as a teammate. And Corey Heim, also another teammate who's been doing really well this year. And Taylor Gray teammates can uh, this driver, uh, Dean Thompson, make uh, some headway as a wild card, potentially 21st in the standings. So we'll see if he can make something happen, could happen at the first truck race in many years uh, at North Wilkesboro. Yeah, first time since 96, of course, and that leads into the all-star race. Uh, the one thing, I mean, there's been plenty of memories over the years. Uh, what is it? Dale Earnhardt and Ricky Rudd got into it late back in 1990. Uh, Ricky Rudd gave it to Dale Earnhardt the way that he probably did, or 89, um, got what he deserved, kind of similar to what it seems like what happened last week at Darlington between Jastine and uh, Larson. And uh, old Earnhardt wasn't so happy about it and probably believes that was a reason at that point that he lost the championship to Rusty Wallace. But I don't think that was the case. Uh, you know, there is there have been other races there. I think Willie T. Ribs, when he was trying to go and make it and cut back in the mid 80s, <laughs> went and took one of his starts at Wilkesboro. And that wasn't exactly the greatest uh, situation for him uh, going. Yeah, going back into those old days i mean daryl waltrip because he drove for junior johnson and junior johnson's shop was right basically around the corner from the track was home they were pretty dominant there over the years uh i remember uh of course but brett bodine won his first career and only career cup win there uh davy allison won there in 1991 and uh was it in 1994 jeff bodine uh, led every lap of the, I, I don't know. I think he lapped the entire field. He didn't lead every lap, but he lapped the entire field. Uh, the, I mean, Jeff Burton led every lap of the race in New Hampshire back in 2000. But I think Jeff Bodine might have been the last person to lap the entire field in a race, and it was at North Wilkesboro in 1994. That was during the tire war days. Uh, he was on the Hoosier tires. 95, though, the next last year of the racetrack existing uh, in its previous form was a big one, the fall race in September, because Ernie Irvin returned from his uh, devastating accident at Michigan uh, and was able to jump in a truck, started in the top 10, was up front, had issues, but he was up front. I think he led a couple laps in that race as well. And then in the Cup Series race, he started in the top 10, led in the Cup Series race, uh, got a top 10 finish out of that one in the '88. So the origination of the 88 car at Robert Yates Racing was that race. Um, Ernie Irvin was fast, um, doing it with one eye, essentially, and uh, beating a lot of them guys who had two fully functioning eyes. And he would do the same thing, essentially, for the rest of his career. Um, that's probably one of the ones that was most meaningful in my fandom, uh, being a young kid at that point, didn't think that his favorite driver was going to live and then to come back and not only 
you know, be able to race again, but race competitively uh, really made things feel a lot better. And there was so much um, cheering and people were really happy to see Ernie Urban come back and race again. Um, in this case, of course, now, uh, thanks to Dale Earnhardt Jr., thanks to Marcus Smith, they're going to be racing again at North Wilkesboro for the all-star race. So 20, yeah, those seven, yeah, 37 cars. There'll be three people advancing out of the open. The open field is pretty weak. Uh, Corey LaJoy, Eric Almirola, Chandler Smith, JJ Yaley, and Rick Ware, 15. Almondinger, Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, Michael McDowell, Todd Gilland, Ryan Priest, Noah Gagson, Josh Berry in the 48, Ryan Newman. Um, I thought he'd be uh, because he didn't run full time last year or whatever. Some Keebler Gibbs, Ty Dillon, and Josh Balicki in the 78. So um, for me, I figure out of that crew, I mean, it's a pretty motley group here. Um, I'm going to say. I'm going to say Todd Ryan Priest wins the Open. Todd Gillen finishes second, and the fan vote winner is Josh Berry by default because you know he's Earnhardt's guy. Um, and they keep the thing nose clean, keep everything clean, so I can get that car in the race and get all three, all four Hendrick Motorsports cars in the show. That's what I'm thinking for the Open. But uh, do you have anything different there, Josh? I mean, I think I can agree with you, Josh Berry, being an Earnhardt guy, um, winning the fan vote. You know, I could also see, uh, you know, I could also see Noah Gregson, you know, being a, or, yeah, yeah, Noah Gregson potentially is also, you know, quasi-junior guy, of course, formerly, um, could could potentially win the fan vote there. That's certain, but I'm going to go Josh Berry winning the fan vote as well. Uh, hard to go against that one. Uh you know, I'm gonna go. Let's see. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Ty Gibbs, uh, winning the Open. Uh, and you know, I'm gonna go with. Uh, um, you know, I'll go with AJ Allmendinger, win, uh, winning the or not winning, but finishing second behind him here. Okay. Yeah. So that's a little different. We. I figure Keebler and uh, Allmendinger are gonna be two cars. They're gonna be up front as well. Uh, determined by pit stops. Uh, that'll be the starting lineup will be determined by pit stop. So something to watch for on Friday um, this week. It's going to be a busy week at North Wilkesboro Speedway. A lot of late model action. Uh, Junebug is going to be racing yep. in the Cars Tour. Wednesday night. Um, amongst other Cup Series drivers. So there's going to be, that's going to be a tough main to even make. Uh, so that'll be something to see. Uh, Harvick's going to be in that one. Brad Keselowski, Daniel Suarez. Plenty of guys. So we'll move on to the all-star race. Uh, 21 drivers uh, eligible, uh, counting everybody that won last year. And uh, Brad Keselowski, who is a former winner of the all-star race. Ryan Blaney, who is a defending winner of the all-star race. Uh, I think and based on everybody else, they've either won uh, in the last, since the, they count everybody who won in 22 and everyone that's won in 23 so far. So Ross Chastain, Austin Sindrick, Austin Dillon, Kevin Harvick, they didn't change his number to 29 on the entry list. Kyle Larson, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Chase Briscoe, 
Chris Busher, Martin Truex Jr., Christopher Bell, Joey Logano, Bubba Wallace, Darrell Wallace Jr., um, William Byron, Eric Jones, Tyler Reddick, Ricky Stenhouse, oh, Richard, on uh, episode 169, 69, and then Daniel Suarez uh, rounds out the regular field. Um, Josh, um, who do you see uh, getting the uh, win out of that group? Or maybe do you see one of those other guys that are advancing from the open as a possibility? I figure we can make two choices here. Um, we can pick somebody we are going to pick as a winner and just kind of a hedge instead of a wild card pick. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, you know, with respect to that, I mean, I, it's really hard to see, you know, especially, I mean, I know it's the short track and everything, but, it's, you know, you got to double up um, if you win. If you won the Open and then you win the All-Star, I mean, you have to have a really, really good car. Um, and it's, you know, really tough to see any of those uh, any of those guys. Uh, I mean, of course, I mean, it is, you know, Cup these days and anything can happen. Uh, but, you know, you really have to have a good car to be able to, you know, um, go win the Open and then All-Star and uh, everything. And then obviously, if you really use up your car to win the open it's going to be really hard to go out and win the all-star race uh, uh and everything so um i mean i think i'll just stick to the drivers in the field currently that uh could win uh and i will go with uh i will go with chase elliott winning uh at uh north wilkesboro uh, of course um you know he's had experience here at North Wilkesboro racing in uh pro all-star series back in the day in 2010 uh here uh I mean I think so has Ryan Blaney maybe maybe Bubba Wallace uh potentially William Byron potentially well but of course they've had a lot of testing here as well so some of that um experience may be made up um so I'll you know pick Chase Elliott as my uh pick and wild card uh I'll go Ricky Stenhouse is a wild card. All right. So William Clyde Elliott, no Richard for Josh, for me, uh, get out of the open field. Um, trying to think of recent, I'm trying to look at recent trends on short tracks, um, as a way to kind of come up with is, uh, less than a mile over last get rankings. Is that greater than here? Yeah. Less uh, average finish. That kind of fits what I was thinking. So, yep. Yeah, uh, go Larson, uh, Larson, coming off of wins at Richmond and at Martinsville and had a car to win last week on a track where he's one of his best racetracks on the cup circuit. Uh, I think uh, Larson uh, goes and gets another all-star win Uh, Larson to win. And my dark horse pick amongst that group. uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to call it a dark horse pick really, but um, based on recent, you know, recent history, not his history overall, but, um, I'm going to go and, and go with Brad Keselowski, uh, Brad Keselowski, former winner of the all-star race, somebody who has a wide range of experience would be a huge, uh, moment for him as a car owner 
to win the all-star race a lot like when Tony Stewart won the all-star race back in 2009 for his first victory as a car owner. Uh, I think it would have a lot of meaning to him. He also is a history guy. He gets that piece and being able to win in North Wilkesboro and getting that uh, moonshine still trophy, I think would be one that uh, old Baba Bui would uh, uh, like there. I mean, I think, uh, I think also you look at um, Blaney as, you know, Josh mentioned with these guys that ran the pro late models, albeit it was like 13 years ago, but still it's more experience than a lot of these guys have. Um, Blaney's one. I mean, I don't know. I know Briscoe, some of his better runs this year have been on short tracks, so you never know. Um, they've been pretty god-awful most of the year, though. All right, so last but not least, Josh, we are going to go to you for the sim segment. Let us know what's going on uh, in regards to all things iRacing and uh, any other gaming, uh, since there are other uh, sims and games coming out here uh, in upcoming weeks or been talked about in the news. Yeah, as always, I mean, of course, mentioned it at the top of the show, the... Uh um indy 500 win a year ago now almost uh coming up this weekend of course uh best thing i ever did in sim racing of course uh i think and you know being able to go out and do that of course pretty cool and maybe hope hopefully one day we'll be able to do it again officially uh for i racing you know i mean if we have to do it in a way where uh it's a private event and it's for money i'm i'm willing to do it like that um Otherwise, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, they can figure something out. Uh, obviously, it seems like uh, Motorsports Games probably never going to come up with anything to release uh, for IndyCar game. Highly, highly doubt it. And probably go out of business or something here pretty soon. Uh, so I'm going to go with, uh, you know, sticking with iRacing or any other, you know, F123 or something like that for my racing games and Gran Turismo and all that stuff. Um, but never never would touch or buy anything that was produced by motorsports games i think uh unless uh, somebody gave it to me for free uh or if it was extremely discounted uh you know less than ten dollars uh because then it would be you know worth buying at ten dollars uh but you know um, good moment last year of course but now this year um you know just doing regular i racing stuff of course and we got the all-star race coming up at north wilkesboro and never really raced north wilkesboro and i racing actually surprisingly and gonna have to try it uh here this weekend and try to see uh you know what 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 we can do with it um of course nascar um let's see the truck series racing at north wilkesboro so that might be interesting uh surprisingly they don't have cups uh, I don't know why they have Cup at Texas, but it's there uh, at Texas for whatever reason. Maybe they're still stuck on last year's schedule, uh, but for whatever reason, Cup uh, the Cup Series is at Texas uh, for the All Star Race, but uh, or well for the week of the All Star Race, I should say, for whatever reason, and so is Xfinity. But the Truck Series because the real life schedule North Wilkesboro Speedway, so maybe you try trucks there. Uh, North Wilkesboro have to buy North uh, North Wilkesboro to do that. Of course, otherwise, um, we've got Cars Late Model Tour at New Smyrna. Also, don't know why that one's not at North Wilkesboro to match the real life Cars Tour Super Late Model Series as well. Uh, don't know why that's not at North Wilkesboro. I mean, all of them should be really there. Uh, Super Late Models at N- Nashville and Cars Late Model Tour at New Smyrna. Not really sure why they're in all all at North Wilkesboro. Should just 
put them all there, but Disney has some scheduled diversity or whatever, but that's okay. Uh, let's see, Gen 4 Cup cars uh, at Nashville Super Speedway, uh, so that should be interesting as well. Um, and um, you know, low downforce cars, car that are tracked very technical, should be interesting uh, there. Uh, let's see what else. Road course uh, schedule got uh, Touring Courage Challenge at uh, Laguna Seca, Formula V at Lime Rock Park, uh, GT3 Ferraris at Oran Park. We've got uh, Lime Rock Park in the Rookie Series for the uh, Formula Fords. Uh, should be interesting there. Uh, let's see, we've got, uh, looking at the other other things here, uh, other series, we've got GT4 Challenge at uh, Laguna Seca. Um, uh, let's see what else. Uh, GR86 at Zandervoort Series uh, seri- or Circuit. Um, IMSA Pilot Challenge Series at Laguna Seca. So a lot of, lot of Laguna Seca here on the schedule for some of these road racing series, uh, which is a good track to race on. Indy Pros at uh, VIR, a uh, very tough track to race at, of course. Um, we've got, let's see, open wheel. Yeah, we already talked about that one. Um, I guess Nürburgring, 24 hours of Nürburgring. I think maybe that's coming up. And, oh, I think that already happened this past weekend because it's Jimmy coming Broadway, up. This uh, is coming up. The R for the sim. It is, I think there, it may be, it may have been done, but I know that they're racing this weekend in the 24 hours. Of- yeah. No, I know that the real life one's probably coming up, but I think the sim ones may, may have been done this past weekend and i didn't well i guess it's still there this the slot is still there uh but um i think the sim one was already done i think this weekend because past weekend because um jimmy broadbent was doing that i think i think i saw uh i guess the the clip or not the clip but the um i guess the video link to that on his youtube uh so have to check that out but uh yeah i think you know, there's that on iRacing course. All the, all the stuff happening on the regular with iRacing course. Uh, F123 getting closer to being released, and I think they had some uh, news on that uh, as far as gameplay uh, goes. Let's see if I can pull that up. Um, of course, uh, they they released some features. Yeah, everything you need to know about this year's Formula One game. Uh, they had let's see, F123. See a release date scheduled for June 16, so very you know not too far away, about a month away or so. Um, more predictable, more predictable car handling, greater realism. Uh, I guess red flags for the first time since F1 2014, um, and now I guess there's a feature last year where you basically just um, had you basically had a bachelor pad or something and you could like design your own home. Uh, they called it the F1 life, I guess in F122. And now this year there's some new hub or whatever called F1 world. Uh, let's see, obviously the, um, cover, uh, they've got, uh, different versions of it. One with champions edition with, uh, Verstappen and then the regular version that's got Lewis, Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris on it. So, uh, should be interesting uh ea sports producing it so um obviously uh very very interesting you know compared 
to how they did before. I think it's still under Codemasters, the people that are ultimately developing it, but EA Sports is just owning them now, and they're ultimately the publisher. So be interesting to you know play this game uh, and everything. So um, maybe look forward to buying it or waiting until it's on sale or something, but I'll definitely uh, definitely check it out this year. Maybe just buy it on PC instead so I can use it with my wheel versus PlayStation with the, the gamepad and everything. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, sim racing, of course, as always, uh, we'll definitely try, maybe try to stream some trucks with Nor- North Wilkesboro or something like that. Uh, never tried it before, so it'll be a new experience. Uh, I actually did try to do Darlington last weekend, but or last week, but um, I, I think only lasted like five laps and I wrecked out and uh, it was definitely a lot tougher than I thought it would be. So a little bit of a miscalculation there. Uh, but if it's always um, streams uh, will be when I stream, be a Twitch TV slash UCLR2. Um, go on there. Of course, you can go on there and see last year's Indy 500 win. So relive that experience. Of course, go on there and watch that. Uh, and of course, Twitch TV's uh, slash UCLR2 and go in there and see all my stuff. And I'll be sure when I actually go live to post uh, my streams there on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, of course, follow me, uh, my Twitter uh, at JP Huffine and go in there and see you know, all my takes and everything. Might have a take here in a minute after I uh, end the show. And I saw the video, um, Darius Butler, former Indianapolis Colt on defense saying that F1 is the best live experience you can get any sporting event. And I'm like, you lived in Indianapolis for five years with the 500 right, right next door. How do you not, uh, you know, how do you not say that the 500 is the greatest thing ever? So, uh, I don't know, but everyone's allowed to have their own opinion, I guess, but, uh, we'll see. I have to watch this. Maybe I'll have a take on there, but of course watch your, or see all my takes JP Huffine on Twitter. And of course you can watch our streams here and our, YouTube videos, uh, at Gripshire podcast on YouTube, uh, and go on there and, um, look at, you know, what we have and our, all our videos, everything's up, up to date. So go on there and see our past, uh, shows and everything. And we'll be sure to have this one posted, uh, here soon. Yep. As absolutely. We'll go and do what we can on my end. Finally, uh, got, a, got the shows posted. So try to get this one out because, one of my favorite shows or two of my favorite shows of the year uh, are coming up. Uh, you can find us at Gripster Pod on Twitter. Find the show basically anywhere you get podcasts. You can get the Gripster Podcast. Uh, find it at philipgmatthew.com. Amongst other places we shared on our, our uh, server site is Podbean. Um, go and check out the Grid Talk podcast. Might uh, end up making a hit on there either for um, the review of the Parmigiano-Reggiano Grand Prix or or the Monaco Grand Prix preview. And you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter as well. So uh, for that, uh, with that, it's been a pretty loaded long episode, so we'll call it quits here. Uh, for Josh, thanks as always for everything you do on the back end for the show and being my sidekick and my bro. And uh, we'll be back next week for episode 170, which will be the greatest day in motorsports preview edition. And we'll have plenty to review Indy 500 qualifying, the all-star race, uh, et cetera, et cetera, the Formula One, San Marino, and uh, we'll go from there. So for Josh, I'm Phil. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. 
like, subscribe, let us know if you want to hear from certain people and we'll uh, see what we can do on our end to see if we can get them on here. Uh, so thank you. Take care. God bless and goodbye.